said we were over a thousand miles off course. I don't know where to look. I'm one of the survivors of Oceanic Flight 815. Sit tight. We'll be right there. If it's happening, we're going to get off of this island. Are we really going home? Yeah, we're really going home. I can't believe I'm actually going to have my baby in a hospital. When we get rescued and I go back, I'm going to be free. We can't let get in touch with our boat. The people on the boat aren't who they say they are. Rescuing people can't really say it's our primary objective. And what is? Whatever they came for, it isn't us. Every single living person on this island will be killed. Here, I was thinking I was going to get a good night's sleep. There's a traitor in the midst. Let's do this! You want to know why we're here? I'll tell you why we're here. You really don't stand a chance ah! now. No! Goodbye, man. There isn't much time. If you want to live, you need to come with me. What are you doing? Same thing on the life start, Kate. Surviving. We made a mistake. We were not supposed to leave. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! Lost the Return. Thursday, January 31st on ABC. Anticipation. Chris Paddock and I already had like a 15-minute geek-out session in the hallway. Of course you did. And I've tra- I've conformed, conformed three of my friends in just that, just that one episode they saw last night. Now all of them are obsessed. All right. And so you spent all last night watching some recap or something or other? Yeah, they had the the final episode of season three, which aired over a year ago. With um, the flash forward? Yeah, with the flash forward, but they had it in like a pop-up video kind of style, uh-huh. which is pretty cool. So if you hadn't seen, you know, they've lost a ton of viewers, I'm sure, over the past year. Um, it gives you like a recap of like all the characters, who they are, how the season's going. You got a whole party happening tonight? Everybody going to sit around and eat wedges of cherry pie and eat donuts or something? No, right. pizza. Okay. Uh, so there you go. So, uh... As Johnny Carson used to say, Lost premieres tonight on another network, ABC. Uh, all right, hello. It's uh, four minutes and 18 seconds uh, after the hour of 11, and this is the month of January in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by, making it part of your listening day. Yes, Britney Spears is crazier than ever and apparently being forcibly restrained in a hospital. Again. It's not that I don't care, it's just that... It really does. It's, it's now not it, shocking anymore. It doesn't. And now it feels like we're on an episode of Lost where we're flashing back, but it's only to like a month ago, the last time Britney Spears was strapped to a gurney and taken out of her house. Uh, he, th- that does allow me to say this, though. Uh, that coming up later on, we'll have an interview with Dr. Drew of Celebrity Rehab. There's kind of a funny story about that that I already told Sarah that I will recap here in just a moment. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Thank you for joining us today. This is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. I'm uh, glad you're there. Here's the phone number. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. For your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your observations about how Hurley can still possibly be fat when all he's eating is nuts and berries for like three months. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol 
standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the whatever, the what have you. He's looking better today, and I can tell because he's got new hair product in. It's not just hair product from, like, Monday that he sort of, you know, mashed into place. It's 503-733-2970. It is Thursday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. You can also email. It's uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or uh, Richie with a T at 970.am. By the way, Tim Riley has confirmed that, in fact, Highlights for Children does still carry Goofus and Gallant, as well as my favorite feature, which is the Hidden Picture Challenging Puzzle. The Hidden Picture is the best thing about Highlights Magazine, by the way, just so you know. All right. Highlights fulfills the one... Let me ask you this. When is the last time you saw Highlights Magazine that was not in a waiting room somewhere? It's always... The, I will guarantee you, 98% of the time you spend in your life reading Highlights Magazine... Which may vary depending on where you grew up. It was all spent in like a dental waiting office. I think that there is a whole class of magazines, and I don't know that this is the case, but I'm speculating and I do believe I'm right. There's a whole class of magazines whose sole purpose is to be interesting enough that they can pass the time, not interesting enough to steal. Because I, because occasionally, and I'm not too proud to admit that, look, I've done things of which I'm not proud. You've stolen highlights? No, because that would just be weird. Who steals highlights? I steal other magazines. I have. I'm not afraid to admit that. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. But I have gone to, like, you know, like a Jiffy Auto Lube or something, and I'm sitting there and waiting for the guy to, I don't know, come in and try to swindle me out of new windshield wipers or whatever. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading U.S. News and World Report, and there'll be some sort of gripping story about wheat harvests. And I'm just like, i got to finish this at home. Shh, tuck it into the jacket. But I'd bring it back if I could, but then that would just be awkward. You can't really come back to it like a chippy auto. I'm sorry, I stole this U.S. news. And, it, and it, like that would totally be some weird Seinfeldian episode, but less interesting, where I was attempting to replace a magazine in a jiffy lube that I had stolen the week before. Because whatever. Anyway, so there you go. Highlights for children. Oh, uh, big pile of notes to get here to the right, some of which are interesting, some of which are just follow-ups to things uh, that we talked about yesterday. Here's what's coming up today. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will join us from Los Angeles. Man, it's, I, can I just tell you this? And I know that a lot of people don't care about what we don't. We no longer say politics in radio. We say current events, just like uh, Air America won't say liberal. <laughs> they say progressive. Uh, and so, anyway, so I, I know there's many people who are disinterested in the whole thing, but I simply have to say this. It does kind of chafe at me that Oregon's primary is so late. They might as well be having the primary like 20 years from now or on the moon for all the good it's going to do. The Oregon primary, which is coming up in May... Yeah, it, it is senseless. There's just no point to it. No. There's like, nobody, there's, nobody's going to visit here. No. Why? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I'm not really asking because I don't really care. I mean, I don't want to get bogged down into a whole discussion about it, but why in May? Like every every other state. Well, I, somebody I Delaware even gets to vote before we do. Well, I think everyone forgot, and all of a sudden they realized we have to have a primary. I want to see earliest we can have May. <laughs> it's not really super too. It's like on a lackluster Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm calling dibs on that joke right now. This AM nine seventy will be AM nine seventy will giving the breaking coverage of of lackluster Thursday. Oh, you know what? I forget. I failed to load all my sound effects today, so I don't even have my copyright. Uh, wait, here we go. This joke, copyright 2007. Rick Emerson Show. Well, that doesn't even work. That's last year. Well, just let's pretend it's copyrighted. 
Anyway, uh, James Roop will join us today. He will talk about uh, John McCain and Mitt Romney, uh, who were sitting, and it was so great. You can tell they did this intentionally, sitting the two guys who loathe each other right next to each other. Yes. I mean, Huckabee doesn't like Romney, but Huckabee's not going to win anything. It doesn't matter. Uh, so John McCain, whose one move is just a smirk, and Mitt Romney, who would just sit there and look irritated. By the way, this won't mean anything. This will, this, this will only mean something to Tim, Sarah, Richie Bristol, me, and the other people, uh, uh, listening, the, the people at Entercom right now who are listening to us. Everyone. So if you're in this room, yes, or if you're an Entercom employee, this observation will mean something to you. Everybody else just has to roll with it for a second. I've figured out who Mitt Romney is. Mitt Romney is... Uh, former uh, Max 910 program director Alan Davis. Just so you know, <laughs> the next time you see Mitt and Sarah, you uh, you really ought to go out of your way at some point to watch Mitt Romney speak for a while when he's trying to be jovial and just folks. It'll have you'll have horrible flashbacks about sitting yeah. in Alan's office like while he's saying something like, "You know, we needed some girls with large bosoms on this billboard." So there you go. Uh, let's see. Ba da da da. Ba da bing. Anyway, John McCain. Uh, John McCain. John McCain. Mitt Romney. Uh, as it says here, squared off Wednesday. And really what it was is, is they just came within inches of uh, just savagely kicking one another in the groin. It was fantastic. Uh, and then, uh, of course, tonight uh, the Democratic debate is happening. And the great thing about that is now that we've got John Edwards off the stage, it really is just like a two-person brawl between Hillary and Obama. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. I, for one, welcome our new blah, 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 overlord, whoever it might turn out to be. There you go. Jim Roop coming up later on. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer uh, will join us, and uh, we'll talk to Dr. Drew from Celebrity Rehab. By talk to, I mean, play back an interview I did this morning in which I sound half asleep and my voice sounds like this because I just woke up. Uh, it was pretty great, though, because, you know, the thing with Drew is, like a lot of those guys who just talk for a living and churn out one interview after another, I'm not saying he was phoning it in. He sounded good. But you can tell, like, he's answered every question on earth, and so I just kind of go, you know, why always the heroin? And he just, well, here's the thing. And he just, you know, just unspooled it. He even said, I even made a joke early on that wasn't funny, and he, he laughed and said it was funny when it wasn't. He gave me a courtesy laugh, and he actually says at one point, that's very funny. And it, it really wasn't funny at all. In all my years, I've never laughed so hard. <laughs> I did make him laugh at the end. I did get... Because, you know, my whole thing is to try to not be the interview that sucks, to, 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 to differentiate myself from other, like, jackass DJs. Um, so at the end of the Dr. Drew interview, which we'll play later on, I did get a legitimate, uh, like, a chortle out of him, a spontaneous laugh. Uh, so that's, you know, put that one one in the win column. All right, uh, let's see. Brittany, uh, watch coming. Well, here's the thing. Here's how we're going to do it today. And if you're one of those people who insist on writing yammering emails or text messages or posts or blogging somewhere about how uh, you know, you're tired of hearing about Britney Spears, little fiddly things into your hand. Use them now. Uh, so it's not like we're going to spend four hours on it, but I'm, I cannot pretend that one of America's most high-profile entertainers was not taken away to a crazy house. I know, and I feel I mean, guilty. There's just no way. Because all these like, <laughs> people are writing on my blog, like, you say you don't care about Britney, you keep writing about her, what's wrong? It's like, how can you not write about her? She's dragged from a gurney, uh, you know, in a gurney again. Well, it's that we only it, we only have two modes. It's that we only have fascinated and then just sort of, I, I don't know, let down because her latest attempt at craziness isn't quite as brown, you know, groundbreaking as the last one. So... I mean, to sit here and pretend that she that, that one of America's highest-profile entertainers has not been forcibly incarcerated in a nuthouse, that would just be irresponsible journalism. If we, if we were to not discuss that, really, I would expect somebody to come in here and take the microphone away from me if we didn't do that. So, 
What kind of a broadcaster would I be? What kind of a newsman would Tim Riley be if we didn't talk about Britney Spears and her various leakage and craziness? So, you know, uh, so here's what we're going to do. So we'll do a Britney watch later on. And then I have asked Sarah to help compile a Britney fact. Uh, because there's, I got a text message from Chris Needham this morning, and it just said, Who is Sam Lufty? And, you know, the thing is, I really, I realized I didn't really know. Like, we talk about Britney probably more than Britney's parents do, and yet I don't really know who some of the people in this saga are. So we'll do a brief, uh, you know, like the Britney overview uh, later on. Geek Watch coming up today, uh, an excruciating penis watch, and a story about teacher sex that is really only notable because, A, the relative hotness of the teacher, who is visual aid number one today at rickemerson.com. You go to rickemerson.com, she is visual aid for Thursday. And it, the story about teacher sex has one of the best and most bluntly shocking lines I've ever heard, which is re safe for the air, just really kind of stunning in its brusqueness. Anyway, here's uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories today. So we have 170,000 pounds of beef forcibly removed from Oregon schools. Then Brittany is forcibly removed after taking up the 10 laxatives, <laughs> suffering from sleepless nights. He's now at the Nut House at Cedar sinai her mom wants to take her back out of L.A. and back home to Louisiana after All she right. recovers. That's where she belongs. A little grit eating and, and chicken gizzards, and she'll be fine. A Longview foot doctor was charged with stealing bicycles. That Salem boy, whose bike was mysteriously or mistakenly sold by Goodwill, will get it back after the party who bought it has come forward. And we'll talk about lost. Environmentalists will sue if cows are allowed to graze in Central Washington's Whiskey Dick Wildlife Area. It's a wildlife area, is it not? Right. It's Whiskey Dick Wildlife Area, as reported by the Oregonian. Mm -hmm. The news item. It's from OregonLive.com. Yes. Anywho, it's 503-733-2970. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Well, hello, Rick Emerson. I, it's Lost Day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Are right, you excited? Are you getting it? Rate your rate your excitement on a scale of one to ten. I'm at like a nine. I'm yeah. really excited, and I, the thing that's more exciting for me is that I showed you know a few of my friends watched last night, and they're all into it, and so now they're really excited to see it tonight as well. I am really really very excited. Plus, I have a lot going on this weekend, so now, the next few days are going to be great. You know what? It, it, you know, as Aaron pointed out, we have no no right to mock because you know we're all just as nerding about the, you know the next season of Battlestar Galactica. I'm I'm on episode four of ten of the final season of The Wire. Uh, there's only six episodes left in the final season of The Wire. And you know what? I went back and Fatboy and Bozik and I from the KOFO, we sat there and just uh, tizzied ourselves into a frenzy. Well, that was the gayest thing I've ever said. We tizzied ourselves into a frenzy about about the wire. Like you just sit there and go, oh, I can't wait. And then there was that one scene where, and you can't wait to, you know, and it just just working ourselves into a lather about the whole thing. No, so Chris, you know what? Chris Paddock from KFO and I like, were in the hallway for 15 minutes this morning already discussing how we're going to talk about how I'm staying late after the show tomorrow so we can sit there and talk about uh, tonight's episode. Do you realize how many conversations start with Chris Paddock from KUFO and I were sitting and talking with? I mean, I think every one of us has like a 20 minute conversation with that guy He's at some point during the day. He's the coolest guy ever. He's a sociable fellow. No, he is. He's a great great guy um all right uh, we are we do work in some weird radio version of the high fidelity music store you know what i mean i that i do realize that sometimes so uh lost tonight it's all very exciting uh let's see are you gonna um, watch it no uh mm -hmm. i haven't watched season three and it would be cheating to just start watching season four 
Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, I just feel like you, it's the, it's the lesser for you for it because I really think that you'd appreciate it, and you feel like you're missing out. But at least you don't have to wait, you know, a year. Like and I'm not like to. a snob about it. I, did, I mean, listen, I watched the first two seasons. I'm not, I'm not some like that. Lost is stupid. That's for you know, it's not that at all. It's just that I drifted away from it, and I realize now that. It would be. Uh, I don't deserve to watch season four yet because I haven't put in the work to watch season three. It would be wrong of me to leap in now and be a fair weather fan. Man, and it's a lot of work too. I mean, there are a lot of episodes, a lot of layers. No, I'd be one of those. It'd be like one of those guys who suddenly comes back and is a 49ers fan. You know, like the, like the year that it looks like they're going to go all the way. Or like to the when Super the Red Bowl. Sox won, all of a sudden everyone like slapped yeah. Red Sox stickers on the car. It's like I was always a fan. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, okay, I understand, but I'm just yeah, telling no, you that it's, it's an amazing show, and I'm really, really, really very, very excited. By the way, it just uh, maybe the consultant who was in town yesterday for some of the other stations is still listening. How about that wind? Boy, that wind was really something last night. Muppet almost blew over last night. <laughs> That's really funny. Is it, it was, true? He was trying to pee, and he he almost literally fell over. It pushed him, and then he kept on peeing. Okay, but that's pretty but funny. He was, you know, he's bouncing on his one back leg. I love the idea because in my head, it's just the dog just sort of goes bump and just falls over it on his like side. It's like cow tipping. He Fantastic. Almost fell over. Excellent. Uh, let's see what else. We well, have some notes to get to, and then we've got people calling about uh, whatever. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Top of the morning, Richard. What? Don't. No. No. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no, that uh, British I, accents were yesterday. I, Today is normal talk well, day. I'm a podcaster. Yeah. Um, about the bacon, you need to cook it on a parchment paper, not tin foil. On like on a Bible? No, parchment paper is like the paper you get when you buy a cake from a beef. Parchment paper, but that's like wax paper, right? No, wax paper is wax paper. Parchment paper is what you line cookie sheets with when you cook bacon in the oven. Okay, excellent. And so I can't just use foil because I use... Well, you can, but if you really want the great flavor and the best bacon ever, you've got to use parchment paper. Well, let me ask you this right now. What is the difference flavor-wise between aluminum foil and parchment paper? Like, how does the bacon know what it's being cooked on? It's not the difference. more of a, a showing that you're... Uh, a highly skilled bacon cooker. So there's really no difference in flavor. This is just right. something so I can be snobby the next time I'm invited That's to be right. on the, the Good like, Eats yeah. show. Me right now on the phone, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay, well, and then on the bones being stolen out of the bodies, yeah. the reason they use PVC pipe, uh -huh. If you, have you ever been to open casket funeral? Yes, I have. If you looked in there and his chest was caved in, wouldn't you kind of notice that, like some <laughs> bones were missing? <laughs> I suppose. Or that he just had a, a white dwarf inside of him. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Is this you? It's me. Hello? Hi. Hello. Huh? Is um, this you? Is it a delayed thing? Um, I just have a quick question. A few months ago, you mentioned how to... Um, copyright a CD that's copyrighted um, and burn it. You said to use like a, is it a permanent black marker or a, how do you do that? <laughs> Hold on a second. Raise your hand if you know what this woman's talking about. Anyone? Mm, I don't think so. Are you attempting to call the Rick Emerson show or are you attempting to call somebody else? No, it was you that said how to copy a CD that was copyrighted and you said to cover the... Well, first of all, let it be known that uh, like all employees of CBS Radio and CBS Corp, I uh, strongly uh, endorse and uh, am a proponent of following copyright law. Exactly. And of course, I cannot advocate, condone, promote, endorse, or encourage any violation of copyright law. 
Okay. Okay, but here's how you do that. So the deal is, no, 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 and I say this because if if one wants to make a, per, a copy for one's own use. A personal copy, which, which is completely legal. Which is legal. I want a personal copy. No, I had to do this with the Foo Fighters, uh, who, to, the, to their credit, they didn't know this was happening. Uh, I bought the new, I, not the new, but I, at that time, the Foo Fighters record, In Your Honor, which is really good. I bought it, and I thought, hey, I, and I went, here's the thing with that Foo Fighters record. I wasn't even trying to copy it. I was just trying to listen to it in my computer, because I do a lot of work at home on the computer, and I wanted to listen to it while I was working. Uh-huh. And, um... So I buy the Foo Fighters CD. I'm listening to it in the car. You know, it's great. I go home. Hey, I think I'll write myself some word docs. While I'm doing that, let's listen to the Foo Fighters. I open up the disk drive in my computer. I put in the CD. I hit play. And it, I get a whole, like, this is copy protected. You cannot play this in your computer. Here's how you do that, though. Okay. When you, uh, when you put it in, uh-huh. you open the CD drawer, you put the CD in, and then you hold down the shift button. Then close the CD. In other words, while the CD is actually loading itself into the computer, just keep the shift button held down for about 30 seconds, and that just stops the copy program from initializing. Oh, okay. Okay. All you have to do, the whole, like that $500 million copy protection software they put on there can be disabled by just holding down the shift key for 30 seconds. You you insert the CD, hop in the... Hold down the shift key while you're putting in the CD. Oh, awesome. Okay, hold. What, what What was your name? Lori. Lori, I'm glad we could help with this today. I listen to you all the time. Thank you, and thanks, Sarah, and Tim, and everybody. Thank you. Bye now. Power to the people. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick, how you doing, buddy? What's up? Well, uh, I wanted to comment on bacon. Yes, of course you do. Most, most favorite of uh, topics. Now, uh, uh, I found a fantastic brand at, of all places, Winco, surprisingly enough. It is by a company called Falls Meat Company. Uh-huh. Uh, it is very thick, hickory smoked, some of the best bacon I've ever had, and it's prepackaged, etc. Two big pound vacuum uh, 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 pack <laughs> bags. It's it's delicious, sir. Two big I mean, pounds of bacon. I love I mean, this country. You know, it may as well be, you know, my little blue pill because, I mean, it's it's that good, sir. You know, here's the thing about bacon. And bacon really is the opiate of the masses. People try to say that it's religion or television or drugs or sex or whatever. No, it's bacon. As long as there's bacon in this country, there will never be a revolution. You know what That's I mean? True. That's true. It is. It is the bread and circuses of the of the American Empire. As long as I can, as long as there's bacon and like uh, you know MythBusters, now nah, I'm never going to cause trouble for anybody. Ah, thank you, MythBusters. Right. Yes, best right. show ever. Thank Next, Rick Emerson. Thanks, sir. Bye now. All right. Uh, let's see. Da 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 da. At some point, I have to bring up the issue of how to get rid of my Christmas tree because my wife's going to be back. You still have your Christmas tree? Well, here's the thing. Is it in your front yard? Well. I don't really have a front yard, but if by front yard you mean driveway, um, yes. So my question to you is, off the top of your heads, and I know I shouldn't even bring this up now because we've got a break here in a second, but my wife has been out of the country, but she's going to be back on Saturday night. And if she comes home and I still have the Christmas tree up in February or, like, around, there's going to be a beating uh, by me, uh, or no, of her. What am I trying to say? She's going to punch me. If the tree is still there, my wife's going to come home and she's going to beat me. I told you, know, I'm not one to judge. I have, My lights have been burned out in my bedroom for two months. I've just adapted to not being able to. Are those to... the little white lights around the wall? No, they're up. It's, they're like up in my ceiling, but they, there's, you know, that little dish yeah. thing. And I can't get them, so I've just adjusted to living in my bedroom in the darkness. That's and what like, I do, find, too. Because you kind of learn how you to know, work around the problem. Can I just tell you this? You and I really are the same person. No. Because, you know, that I, I can, and it's worse when I'm uh, either when my wife is gone or when I was single. See, I, I live alone, which is why nobody's there to judge. You know what? Lights would I remember at one point every, when I lived in Salt Lake by myself, every single light in my house had burned out. 
And instead of fixing a single light, I would just stumble around in the darkness. Mm -hmm. I would just, I remember at one point, my bedroom became so filthy from like clothes that were just piled up and crap and whatever, that I just stopped sleeping in my bedroom and just slept on the couch for three months in the living room. Like I just slept on the sofa because it was easier than cleaning the bedroom. Okay, I wouldn't do that. I did, I did that. I mean, because they were similar. because I would use clothing, you know, I dress, and then I would come home and I would take off my clothes, and I got them from work or change or whatever, and I would throw them on the bed. And eventually, there was a mound of clothing on the bed that was like the size of one of the pyramids, and I was like, well, I can't see the bed. I'll just sleep in the on the sofa in the living room. And but and all the lights had burned out. I remember at one point I neglected to pay my power bill, so they turned off my power, and so I just I lived in my house for like a month with no power. I would work late at night. I would, uh, you know. Romantic by candlelight. No, and I was just lazy. I mean, I know that makes me sound like Brian Wilson, like living in the sandbox. But, I mean, what are you going to do? I, I'm not going to pretend to be a better person than I am. Uh, but it's like we have those little white Christmas-type lights that are strung in our living room around the perimeter of the ceiling. All of them but, like, one are burnt out, yet they're still up there. I haven't bothered to take them down. Why? Too much work. When I can sit on the sofa and watch television. Why? So... If you put your tree outside, wouldn't it be stolen like anything else you left outside? See, that's what I would, you'd think so. But it's like somehow the thieves know the stuff that you Who's want to be stolen. steal an old Christmas tree? Well, who would steal my old truck? I mean, you would think somehow it's like the thieves know that I want the tree to be stolen, so they leave it alone. I, I don't know how that works. My question was going to be, and I shouldn't say this now. I should wait. I'm going to wait and ask this question about getting rid of my Christmas tree, because I know the audience will know the answer to it. Uh, let me do a couple of brief notes, then we'll take a break. Uh... I don't think I have. Uh, I don't think I have. Uh, okay, I have time to do one of these two things. I'll do this one. So you remember that uh, uh, the bipolar lady who was looking for an intern to work on her Portland quote talk radio program? Oh yes. Which was obviously just like paid programming that she had mm -hmm. bought on some uh, dirt heel station. So she had put an ad on Craigslist describing how she suffered from huge manic bipolar mood swings and apparently all her teeth had fallen out at one point. And yet she was looking for somebody to work for free on her, quote, fun radio program about mental illness. So I don't know that this is related, but here's an ad that appeared on Craigslist yesterday in Portland. I don't know that this is related. Looking for a great, all caps, by the way, looking for great writer, great editor, very astute and smart person. Here's what the ad says. See if this sounds like it might be from somebody who we've heard of recently. I'm looking for someone who knows a lot about editing a book. I have a manuscript and agent and nothing stopping me except my own impatience. I've already knocked out the book and it's an amalgamation of journal excerpts, real writing, and is out of order and repeating at times. I have 230 pages and I need someone who can work with me intensely on this. Not only putting it in order, but about what I should write about. Someone who knows about the market. This book is about bipolar disorder. So if you have any background with mental illness, that would be helpful. And it's critical that you understand altered experiences. This book chronicles, wait for it, my life with bipolar disorder from childhood to present day. I need someone who has, all caps, lots of free time, is a fabulous editor, good with words, and is a good writer. So they know what to change, what to keep out, what to leave in. Um, and then it says, location, Portland, compensation, no pay. Yeah, Craigslist is full of that. Compensation, no pay. Yeah. No, Craigslist is full of that. Oh, who would possibly huge. Who would possibly respond to this? I mean, honestly, I would like you to work endlessly and without rest for nothing on a book about bipolar disorder with a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly. So, I'm not saying that's the same person, but 
I think we all know what I, th- uh, I think that's your typical Craigslist dad, though. If you look, people want, like, incredible things for nothing. There's never any pay involved in anything in Portland. Compensation. Experience. All right, we should break. Uh, Jim Roop coming up around the corner from Los Angeles. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get your calls in just a second. Uh, more on the way. Stay there. Steve Rick Emerson. Hey. All right, it's the Rick Emerson program. Hello. Here's an email I don't even need to open. And it has an attachment, like they all do. Subject line. Dog gives birth to mutant creature that resembles human being. Ew. And then he feels the need to note, it's creepy. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Guess what? It's not going to be read. Thanks. Uh, We'll talk to Jim Roop here in just one moment. Coming up later on, Dr. Drew from Celebrity Rehab. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Really, honestly, can anybody hear me say that last sentence and then decide to be all bitchy about the fact that we talk about celebrity crap? Seriously. What program do you think you're listening to? Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing, man? What's up? Hey, I got two possible solutions for your Christmas tree. Yes. All right. Uh, you have a forerunner, right? Perhaps. Well, if it hasn't <laughs> been stolen. I mean, oh, right, as right. of now. Yeah. Hopefully you do. All right. Well, you can do one of two things. Uh, you could... Uh, do you have any friends that, that live out in the uh, the uh, country or anything? Uh, sure. All right. Well, I'm, I'm sure that tree is good and dry right now. And uh, just take it out somewhere, set it on fire, and it'll, it'll be. Okay. Here was my. Qu- okay. It's funny you say that because we don't have time to talk about this now. But th- my question was going to be: I actually wrote down how illegal is this? I was going to ask if there's any reason, like late at night, I couldn't just set the tree on fire in the middle of the street. <laughs> it'll. It'll be gone in about I mean, probably less than five, five minutes. That's what probably. I'm saying. If I took the tree, put it in the in the street where there's nothing flammable, and just set fire to it, like how illegal is that? Do you suppose? Uh, probably very. <laughs> do you know that, or are you just guessing? I'm just guessing, but I'm uh, sure it's not. Uh, not um, there, uh, there's also one, one other thing you could do. Yeah. Uh, this probably isn't the greatest idea, but uh, you have uh, lots of drivers that that listen to your show. Yes, and, that is true. And I'm. And I'm a driver too. And every once in a while, driving our semis around town, we uh, accidentally knock down big, huge branches uh-huh. with our with our truck. Right, and, right. Um, not that this has ever happened to me or anything. Of but, course. But, but sometimes, like certain people will just take the big branch and throw them in the back of the truck, and then find some dumpster in the middle of nowhere that will serve the purpose of getting rid of that. That was going to be my next question, actually. I was going to ask Brian Jones from CBS, like, theoretically speaking, if that tree were just to end up in the huge dumpster out back in the CBS parking lot, like, if anybody would really care about it that much. Well, so. I th- I, yeah, I think that everyone will know whose tree it is, though. So. That's probably the case. All right, we have to run, my friend. Thank Thanks. you. Bye now. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles, Jim Roof. Hello, sir. Good morning, sir. You sound happy to be alive. It is a wonderful day. Are you, where are you at? You're on a weird phone today. Uh, I'm at the Kodak Theater in Hollywood. Are you uh, are you on a in a booth or are you on a regular cell phone? What's your deal? No, I'm, a, I'm in a, a phone inside a booth. Okay, excellent to hear. Uh, as Whoopi Goldberg. But it's not a phone booth. I was seeing. I was about ready to to uh, to quote Whoopi Goldberg from Jumping Jack Flash. Never mind, doesn't matter. Um, so, all right, two things. Well, let's let's do uh, last night then tonight. So last night, uh, John McCain, Mitt Romney. I mean. I um, it was busy doing some crap, and then I went home, and then I turned on, and I, you know, and I turned on about halfway through the debate, and then of course I watched it all the way through again for the beginning because I'm a nerd. But man, I, I, it just I I tuned in, and I was I won't say that I was shocked, but I really was sort of 
I was a little bit surprised by just the level of vitriol between McCain and Romney last night. It was really fantastic to watch. Yeah, yeah it really was. But I'll tell you, the clear winner to me was Huckabee last night. Well, because he was above the fray, and you yeah. know, he looked re- as John Edwards once said about himself, he was trying to represent the grown-up wing of the party last night. <laughs> yeah, that, where did that take him? Well, you know, the, the only the, the two things is that McC- McCain only had the one thing, which is just to smirk a lot. McCain would shake his head and smirk, right? And I think sort of try to be. Above it all, McCain would sort of try to be the uh, you know the seasoned veteran surrounded by all these ruffians, and then Romney was just uh, I I mean I hate I hate to say things like this it makes it sound like I have some personal thing against the guy, but he just sounded like a carping whiner. Yeah, neither one of them I, I thought, and, and what would have been smart for for both of them to try and do is to become the statesman. Right, you know, right, uh, right. But neither one of them did that. And, uh, you know, the argument, I mean, there was a few fireworks in the first half, but after that first, after that break, there was only one break in the thing last night. After the break, you know, they came back swinging. And, um, you know, it was nice to see because that's what you want in a debate like this. You want to, you want to, you want the two to go at each other. So if you're undecided, you can, you can see the contrasts and help you make up your mind. Um, but I, I think, I almost thought, especially if at last night after the debate, Mike Huckabee grabbed Arnold Schwarzenegger's ear as quickly as possible. Sure. And I, I thought, man, Schwarzenegger's going to change his mind. <laughs> well, because, uh, because Schwarzenegger, he held off doing this because he didn't want to be seen as taking sides before the debate. But uh, Schwarzenegger, they, they, he's going with McCain, I guess. Yes, that's, he is. That's yeah, the deal. I think he made that announcement today. So I guess Huckabee at this point is probably just angling for some VP slot, but that's probably not going to happen. I just no, no, don't be surprised. Uh, last night, um, last night, uh, um, uh, Huckabee was really uh, saying how much he admired John McCain, so on and so forth. That doesn't happen by accident. Right, I right. Mean, he's looking in to be tapped as the vice presidential nominee or, or, or running mate uh, for John McCain if John McCain gets gets the nod. I don't know that Mitt Romney would tap him, but I, I, I would almost imagine and probably bet that if John, McC- if John McCain gets the nomination – uh, he'll probably ask uh, Mike Huckabee to be his running mate. It was it's indicative of how uh, how heated and how sort of I don't want to say juvenile, but how much it was just sort of this big verbal dust up last night. That it, at times Ron Paul, uh, who you know by by any measure really is is a nutcase in many ways, did come off as seeming pretty reasoned and rational occasionally last night, which yeah, I didn't. Especially think... when he started getting on him about all the bickering. He yeah, said, when on, he said, what, what is this? You yeah, know, but who, who said, said what when? when? Yeah, exactly. Which, what is that? You know, but yeah, Ron Paul. Unfortunately, he didn't get much of a chance last night to weigh in on too many of the topics, and it did become at some point a two man debate. And uh, you know, Mike Huckabee did a great job of pointing that out. And Ron Paul, you could see him leaning in with pointing his fingers. Yeah. Saying, I want to get in on this, and, and you know, unfortunately, the poor guy just couldn't do it. But when he did get in there, I thought he was pretty coherent. You know, the, the thing about Ron Paul is, is that. It... I don't know why God always does this to me. I think it's some sort of karma, I'm being punished for something. But I guess maybe it's because they know that they don't have a chance. I mean, I'm not trying to be cruel about that. But, you know, when you, you know, like Dennis Kucinich was the same way. They would add, you'd see these interviews with Dennis Kucinich. Right? Well, do you really think you have a chance? And you go, of course, I believe I'm going to be the next president. And, of course, when someone says that, you sort of reflexively know it's not true. Yeah. Um, so Ron Paul will make these statements, and his supporters are exactly the same way. And Ron Paul will be the next president. And you kind of go, well, all right, you know, whatever. But uh, the maybe because he secretly knows he will never be elected, that sort of frees him up to speak very plainly and bluntly. And it just sort of does seem to be this curse, though, that the guys who are the most plain-spoken are the guys who in many ways just also embody all of these insane ideas that I could never possibly vote for. It's just so, fr- you know, because you know, Ron Paul will 
come out and say something very, you know, he'll say, like, look, we need to quit this bickering, and Iraq is a mistake, and we need to pull out of Iraq right now because there's no good reason to be there. And you kind of go, okay, he's he's speaking, and then and then he'll follow it up with, like, by the way, on my first day in office, I'm going to abolish public schools. And you kind of go, all right, well, I'm sorry, you know, no. So, anyway, um... Well, let's talk about tonight. So there's um, so tonight at the, uh, what is it, the Kodak? It's the Kodak Theater. Kodak Theater. Yeah. Where's that at? Uh, it's, uh, it's right in Hollywood. All right. Hollywood and Highland, right there. It's, it's where the Academy Awards are held now. So the great thing about tonight is now with Edwards off the stage, I mean, I think the Clinton campaign especially has been waiting for this. They wanted Edwards out, even if his endorsement helps Obama, because I think the Clintons really, they they function best when inevitably it just gets down to a two-person punching match. Yes. And so they've been waiting for this tonight. So what it, it, uh, what is Hillary's... We've seen Hillary go from shrill to strident to soft to embracing to harsh again. What what are we? What's she going to do tonight, do you think? Well, I, I think it's going to be up to the panelists what each of them do. If they can incite a little fight going on, which is what, like I said earlier, I mean, that's kind of what you want and what you need right now because they're going to have to go... For the Democrats and the independents who are still undecided, they're going to have to. They're going to have to make sure that they uh, they highlight their differences, and that'll be up to the panelists and how well the questions are formed, and and you know if they have follow-up questions that will incite a little bit of bickering. That's that's what we need tonight. We need some fireworks. We need a lively debate. Otherwise, it's, you're still going to be confused going into Super Tuesday. Well, and the great thing about Super Tuesday, I mean, great from a from a sort of an observational vantage point. Is that Super Tuesday is probably not going to decide anything anyway? Because I, I think I read somewhere that, sorry, I read somewhere that even if Hillary Clinton, to, to take that example, even, or whoever, it, it's, it's going to be almost mathematically impossible for anybody to come out of Super Tuesday like the clear winner. It's just because it's it's so fragmented. Well, you're right. Um, it, it has been that way ever since. I mean, in spite of who won what when, uh, it's still a pretty close race between the two. It This could very well be, finally, and it hasn't happened this way in a long time, that the nominee will be decided at the convention. Oh, how great would that be? Yeah, yeah. remember those days? I mean, uh, it was beautiful. All we need is Mayor Daley having protesters beaten outside <laughs> in the street. Uh, and you know what I didn't realize until I read this this morning is that this is the first election, I believe, since 28. Since 1928, where there has been neither a presidential or vice presidential, uh, you know, like a sitting president or vice president running. That could be. Somebody told me that's where I don't know if that's true or not, but they said it sounds right, though, because I was trying to think back to the last election where there wasn't a president or VP running, and I couldn't think of one. Well, Hillary Clinton's close. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's a couple things to be concerned about. Um, number one, uh, and I think Mike Huckabee spoke about it last night, and he's right. Um, governors probably are better suited to be presidents than anybody else, over senators at least, because at least governors run a government. Well, it's you know, a microcosm of the federal government. government. Yeah, it, it, and, and that, that is very, very true, and Arnold Schwarzenegger has said that several times. Um, and then you have, do we need, do we want that same sort of dynasty that we are afraid of that right. would happen? You know, the the uh, the Bushes and the Clintons, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little weird. It's not like, we, I think we talked about this before, it sounds almost European than it is American. <laughs> But, you know, who knows? I mean, is Barack Obama, does he have the experience that, that he could run this country? He, luckily for us, he wouldn't run it by himself. He'd have a cabinet around him and advisors, but still, he's going to pick those guys. It's funny. I remember, I think it was either in 2000 or 2004, my mother-in-law and my, and my wife were fighting about something, as they always do. And, and my wife made some offhanded comment, years ago even, about Hillary Clinton running for president. And, and my, mo- my mother-in-law, and this is during the election, the election my, my mother-in-law said something about, we do not have a dynasty in this country. That's not how it works. Like, as George W. Bush was being sworn in in the background. 
So, all right. What time does it get underway tonight? Uh, five o'clock local time. Fantastic. I'm going to hit the store and buy me some pizza rolls and then go home and sit on the sofa like a big American fat ass. All right. Excellent, my friend. You have a good night. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. There you go. Jim Rupe, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, five o'clock. Excellent. Finally, Jim. Finally, Jim. It's really loud. I don't get it. Come on. Who are you? I don't even know you sometimes. Do you get it, Tim? No. Who did I just talk to? Jim. Finally, Jim. Really? Do, I have to, do I have to go to the audience? Do I have to make the audience explain the joke to you? Okay, if you know what I'm doing, call in right now. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, before I get to the reason I called, the last election where there was a no VP was 68 because Nixon wasn't a sitting VP. That's so, true. Yeah. He'd been a former VP but wasn't currently VP. Right, exactly. Yeah, all right, excellent. All right, well, the reason I'm calling is you need, even though it's not written as well, Aaron Sorkin doesn't touch it, the last two seasons of The West Wing, it's mirroring exactly what's going on. It's like they predicted the, What's going on today? To be fair, I heard that the, the, the West Wing kind of pulled out of that nosedive in the final year or two and, and, and became good again. Well, uh, I'm not going to say good, but <laughs> it was okay. Okay. But, uh, for instance, you get the liberal Republican, Alan Alda, running, and he has to pick a candidate who's ultra-conservative. Right. And he goes with the religious guy, a governor like Huckabee. Right. You've got the uh, minority candidate who has to find some uh, some person who's, Got the experience in the background, which you know they go with Leo. Sure. But, uh, but uh, I, I think it's going to be Ted Kennedy. <laughs> wow. As VP. Boy, what a terrifying choice that would be for America. I mean, on the one hand, you get Barack Obama; on the other hand, he comes with Ted Kennedy. That's like wow. where you buy. You know, I don't even know what that's like. That's like a thing where you buy a thing and it comes with another thing. That's just a terrifying prospect. I, I mean, I just can't understand. I mean, maybe it's just political, but Kennedy backing Obama to me just seems a little. A little odd. I mean, he's such an opportunist. There's got to be a reason. Well, and the Kennedys are such establishment people. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they really are the oldest. I mean, the idea that Barack is running as some sort of like outsider and a maverick, and, and then he gets like the endorsement of of this of, of a true American political dynasty, where they've been in the game like you know for like a billion years already. So it. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I will have to watch that final season of The West Wing at some point, though, just so because I'm a completist about these things. Well, you have to watch the, the sixth and the seventh, though, because uh, it does. I know. I'm sorry, but it does halfway through start setting up exactly what we're seeing right now. All right. Well, I'll I'll put it on my list of things to do like someday. Uh, all right. Thank you, sir. And hey, season three, Battlestar Galactica, March 18th. Bye now. Uh, See, it's either ba Battlestar Galactica or Lost. So say we all. It's like the two. What do you mean? I think is this what you were talking about? Oh, somebody was going to explain it, and he hung up. Um. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Come on, Jim. Exactly, because at the end, he goes, finally, Jim. Okay, I thought it was maybe, I don't know, a reference to some obscure movie. Oh, oh I think we have some breaking news here. <laughs> Ow. Hold on, I'm going to turn this down. It's not that important. Breaking news. Hello, sir. What is your breaking news? Yeah, it looks like it's more like broken news, Rick. On the uh, west end of the Ross Island Bridge on the north side, uh, somebody jumped off and apparently missed the river. Oh, uh, so the west end of the Ross Island Bridge, uh, westbound lane is tied up a little bit. So that's if you're heading over the Ross Island Bridge from, like, my neighborhood, heading it's on downtown. your right as you head into downtown. Yes, yes it is. So Wait, right under the Ross Island Bridge, that's like the... Uh, that's like the Blackberry that's the bushes roundabout. stuff. That's the roundabout as you head down toward our old place of employment. Is that true? Uh, well, it's a little bit further... Well, let, let me just speak bluntly. If you, if, you, if you miss the river, what are you hitting? 
had a vacant lot where the, like, Cirque du Soleil was. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Uh, it, in fact, I know. It. Did you ever read, did you finish reading All God's Children? No, I'm, I have, like, a hundred pages. Okay, left. then you hit, it's, but it, they talk about that section down there where, where they used to camp out down by the, the river, house? which is where the Cirque du Soleil is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's two different sections. One is by that 7-Eleven, one is down there, so that's what he's talking about, down by the river. Uh, yeah, so, now, okay. did you see this? How did you, how did you discover this, sir? Well, I'm I'm driving along across the uh, across the Ross Island Bridge, and uh, there's an officer, and there's uh, he's looking over the edge, and he's mm. back and he's shaking his head, and I kind of caught a glimpse of it as we as we came across the end. I mean, was it was it was it clearly a a person uh, on the it ground? It used to be. It's not yeah. anymore. Oh. All, right. All right. Thanks for the heads up. Uh, yeah. All right. There you go. Bye now. Yeah. All right. That's uh, good friend Dante out there. And Dante's always pretty. I was, he always is spot on about that stuff. But also, I wonder if he's bad luck because he's always the one who sees the jumpers. Maybe he causes it somehow. Maybe he carries some sort of weird suicide field with him. Jesus. All right. I didn't think that would kill you. I didn't think it was high up enough. That's There's... pretty high because that's like the. I'm thinking of the Markham Bridge. Yeah, the Ross I Island the Bridge. Went over the... Like if you're going, if you're heading east on the Ross Island Bridge. And you jump, you're just going to hit blackberry bushes. Because there was that guy who did that last year. Running from the cops, got out, jumped off the bridge, landed in the blackberry bushes, ran away. If you're going west over the Ross Island Bridge, this is, by the way, we're being local and relatable. Uh, and the uh, and you jump off on the right-hand side. To be honest, I don't know what's below there because you can't see it from driving over the bridge. And I've never been on the river under there. But I really know, because there's that round, because you're going across the Ross Island Bridge and it does that loop-de-loop and you can merge... On the I five, yeah, yeah, on I five, and then like there's I eighty four. Oh, well. I know what you're talking about, and it would, and it goes over St. John's. Yeah, and it also goes over. Or not I-5. St. John's, John's Landing. Because it, it goes over. Yeah, I-5. yeah, yeah. But I don't think you would, you, you wouldn't hit that road though, whatever that road is. I, I don't know what that road is, but I know what you're talking about where you go on the loop and then you remerge onto I five, or you can go onto Bancroft. I don't think, I don't think. It doesn't sound like they would be on the road though, because the traffic would be backed up everywhere. And he, so it must sounds like it must be closer to the river, which is actually just that big, flat, empty, concrete lot where the Cirque du Soleil had been. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go. That's the uh, the west end of the Ross Island Bridge. Yeah, the north side of the west end of the Ross Island Bridge. The north side of the west end. Apparently, uh, some guy jumped. So there you go. Yeah. Doesn't sound like he missed the river. Doesn't sound like he was aiming for the river. Seems like uh, aiming aiming for the concrete is what he was doing. Well, there you go. On that note, uh, let's see. We should break here in a second. Um, well, let's just break now. It's 503-733-2970. We come back after this with the noon news hour, courtesy of Mr. Timothy Riley. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Dorothy Carcisseri from the National Enquirer, Dr. Drew from Celebrity Rehab, and uh, so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This will make you feel old. This is from uh, one of our younger listeners. A question from the younger set. This listener is about to be 18 and says... Have you ever heard of the Waltons... And then answering her own question, this is, this is what she says. And Sarah probably won't feel my pain, but Tim will. 
The listener says, hey, Rick, have you ever heard of the Waltons? It was a show on TV in the 70s, apparently. No one I talked to has ever heard of it, but I was wondering if you had. It's great. The sixth season just came out on DVD. Just wondering. See ya. There you go. That's awesome. Yes, it is. It's 503-733-2970. This is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So we have just received a report from a passerby. And somebody's jumped off the Ross Island Bridge to the north side of the West End. You know, we really are the only outlet for these news stories. Yes, we are. We really are your one-stop suicide shop here. Everybody else has things off the satellite. And news recorded days ago. And standards. Yeah. <laughs> we are encumbered by none of those things. No. This guy says if you jumped off the West End of the Ross Island Bridge, uh, you would end up in the middle of I-5. Well, maybe that was the plan. That's what I was thinking. Maybe that's the plan. You jump and then a car finishes the job. I'm not trying to be morbid, but I'm saying if you put yourself in the jumper's place, not now, but an hour ago maybe, that's the whole thing, is you jump and then uh, if you are not uh, killed by the fall, then maybe, you know, a truck comes along and, you know, whatever. Tim and I were noting that there are really no good places to jump from in Portland, though, because no. all the buildings here, A, all the buildings here widen as they go down towards street level, which means you just hit a ledge, like the coin tower. The, and the, the Empire State Building guy? Yeah. Because often, like, his leg was found. Yeah, they found, like, an arm up on, like, the 50th floor. Um... But, like, the coin tower gets it. There's, like, a secondary ledge and a tertiary ledge, I think, as well. So, like, you would hit, like, you'd never hit the street, which I think is no. the goal of all jumpers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and as Tim also noted, in Portland, nobody really cares if you jump off a building. It's, you know, you've you got to go to a bigger city. Right. I mean, kill yourself in some place that somebody cares about. I mean, we'll have some standards. Jump off the Hollywood sign or something. Now, people do that, don't they? Yes, they do. And people hang themselves from the Hollywood sign. That's what I'd do. That's happened a long time. You know, I don't think I could hang myself. That sounds like a bad way to go. You know, with a little practice, perhaps. Get my get my Hutchins on. Um, I don't mean to be morbid, but here we are. I'm just saying. First of all, let's just talk about hanging for a second. A, it sounds like there's only two. There's only well, there's three ways to do the hanging. One, you 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 have a you know a a a, a sufficient amount of distance and fall or whatever. Because I guess the deal is that like it's like your neck and you, you know, whatever, and then you're dead. So there's that. That's, I guess, a successful hanging. Then there's the bad, unsuccessful hanging where you just take your meals through a straw for the next 50 years, and that's no good. You don't want to do that. Uh, and then there's the third, which is where where you don't. It's not enough that the fall kills you, but you just sort of sit there and kind of go, and just sort of asphyxiate. But that takes like an hour, I think. I think that's a slow death. You don't want to go that way. So, hey, did you see that British town where there was a weird spate of Internet suicides? Oh, yeah. Like kids who met on the Internet and some suicide shit, like alt-suicide, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. And like 12 kids in one town hung themselves in a week or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of creepy. I mean, it's really creepy, I guess. Hanging is the creepiest suicide I don't me. think I could do that. I. It sounds like it would hurt. I mean, even if done properly, it sounds like it would hurt. I never trust them when they say that hanging prisoners is painless. Like when they do that in Washington and New Hampshire. Uh, I was I lived in Washington. I was on the radio in Washington when they hung a guy. They hung a guy named Wesley Allen Dodd, who, by the way, was a bastard who had it coming. Uh, who was a uh, uh, killed a bunch of kids, I think, at something. Anyway, they took man. They fixed his red wagon, though. They hung his ass. Uh, but but I mean, I never trust the state when the state goes. And this method is humane. It's, I always assume that they're lying when they say that. So hanging seems like a bad way to go. Hanging yourself in the Hollywood sign, though. 
There's something there. There's yeah. the creepiest thing, though, when you're watching movies and you just see this, like, when you walk into a movie and you just see their feet still kind of moving. I was watching yeah. Twin Peaks yesterday, and there's the part when Harold hangs himself and he has that, you know, note tape to And in that, uh, The Prestige, that magician film, same thing. Ugh. All right, I'm sorry. Here's Tim Riley. Let's begin the news hour. Well, let's talk about children and their bicycles. You know, we were speaking yesterday about uh, Cody Young, who parked his bike at the wrong place at the Goodwill store in Salem, and it was sold for six ninety nine. Uh-huh. Well, Goodwill officials say the youngster's got to get his bike back because the buyer read about the story, and he wants to make things right. The buyer got the bike for six ninety nine, but Goodwill is giving them a $100 gift certificate for coming forward and being honest. A uh, $100? You could probably buy the entire... You could probably buy the store itself. That would be awesome. Yeah, probably buy the actual building. Uh-huh. Well done. So, uh, this boy will get his bike back. Hooray. Then we have some bad kids. Two teenagers smashed the mailbox of a Washington County deputy unaware that he was home watching the whole time. This happened near Rock Creek. Uh, Four teens were in a car when one of the youngsters hit three mailboxes. Deputy Peter Olson said he was out on his porch when he spotted a Jeep slowly approaching the house. It was making a sound that made him think it was hitting the curb, but he soon realized the Jeep's passengers were playing a game of mailbox baseball. So Olsen hopped into his patrol car and pulled over the Jeep, and uh, he surprised the teens. They, and they drove right past his white patrol car that was parked in the driveway when they smacked his mailbox. <laughs> That's great. Oh, boy, you know, sometimes the universe just closes stories up in a neat little circle for it you. Does. Hey, mailbox baseball. Oh, it's a cop. Bam, beating. That's wonderful. Excellent. Then there's a tale of the Longview foot doctor accused of stealing bicycles worth $55,000, and they weren't from goodwill. Apparently, this foot doctor is responsible for an unusual crime spree stretching across three western states. Following his arrest, the suspect tried unsuccessfully to kill himself over stolen bicycles. Dr. Jacob Boss, over the past weekend, was accused of stealing expensive bikes in Oregon, Washington, and Utah. He go to a bike shop, asked to test drive an expensive model, and then never come back. They also think he sold about $55,000 worth of bikes, many that were high-end models, costing thousands of dollars apiece. When he was arrested in Longview, police said they found a stolen bike in his office. Five boys stolen bikes also found in his home. Uh, yeah, apparently, uh, well, they finally caught him. It's a, it's a, he survived a suicide attempt. He tried to kill himself by taking lidocaine, slitting his forearm, and then tried to drive in the Kalama River. You can't take... Okay, well, and then what in the river? Driving his car there? Driving his car, yeah. You can't take, oh, you know, he must have taken the light. Boy, I think we developed a theme early on for today's program. He should have tried the Ross Island Bridge. Well, I've already got many other suggestions on bridges from which to jump. Uh, the, uh, at least, this is going to be another one of those absent things where everybody has their own version. Because I've already got three different uh, emails here about three different bridges. Each email claiming that bridge is is known as Suicide Bridge. Uh, here's the thing about lidocaine. I was going to say, you can't kill yourself with lidocaine, but he must have taken the lidocaine, which is an anesthetic, uh-huh. so he could slit his wrist. Because that, that's the other thing. That's why I could never go there. I could never do the wrist thing either, because it, it seems like that is really motivation. I mean, if you're able to sit there and, like, cut pieces of yourself open, mm-hmm. that, I mean, you really want it. That's a thing you're really, you're, that's not a cry for help. That's a really, that's a, that's a, that's a serious attempt is what that is. Well, did it work? He Was he dead? No, no, he survived the suicide oh. attempt. Now he gets to go to prison. Yep. How lucky for him. I'm surprised that things like that don't happen more often than where a guy goes to a car dealership. Because, you know, have, you know, at a car dealership, they will let anybody test drive anything. And Usually I, you go with the salesman, though, don't you? Uh, sometimes, but sometimes not. I actually, uh, my friend, uh, what was his name? 
I think his name was something. Anyway, I knew, but I knew a guy who who had, had gone uh, and had test drived, uh, test drived, had test driven a pretty upscale vehicle. I think it was like a Lexus or something. And he went there, and I guess he left his driver's license behind, so they know where to find you. But still, I mean, he could have just been some lunatic and take it and drive it off a bridge at some point. So I am astounded at things like that, or that it doesn't happen more often that some nutcase goes and says, "I'd like to test drive this Viper." And then the sales guy gets into the car with you, and then you just kidnap the sales guy, and they find you in Michigan three weeks later, you know, eating uh, eating rabbit meat. I'm just saying. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi there, yeah. If you put uh, lidocaine intravenously, then yeah. it becomes a hard drug, and it can kill you. Is that true, really? So what if you were to swallow it? Uh, probably like your mouth, not my skulls, but uh, it needs to be in- in- introduced to IV. So if you were to inject lidocaine, it becomes a hard drug? What does that mean? It, it slows down your heart, slows down your rhythms, and just Oh, that's down. true. I hadn't really thought about that because it is it is an anesthetic. So yeah. I guess if it went into your heart, that would do something weird to your heart. Absolutely. Interesting. I wonder. That see, that sounds like a bad way to go too, uh, because that causes a heart attack, which apparently doesn't feel very good. No. Yeah, but no. I guess but I guess you do have the anesthetic working for you there. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, there's really no number you can call to ask these questions. I guess we are that number, and we don't know sometimes. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. This audience knows everything, both great and terrible. Here's Tim Riley. Now we have dangerous snow slides on Highway 20, forcing authorities to close down a session of Santiam Pass this morning. Uh, Trekkers are waiting word on what to do. This stretches from Camp Sherman to Detroit. Uh, luckily, no vehicles are passing when the slides occurred around 6.30. There were no injuries. Two trucks were trapped between two snow slides, and they were working to ensure their safety. In the small town of Detroit, heavy snowfall has isolated that community, and the mayor is calling for emergency assistance. So far, nobody is listening. Uh, Washington State says uh, they had a big avalanche, one of the largest on the Snoqualmie since uh, 1975. And heavy snowfall combining with warmer temperatures to create good conditions for avalanches. Why not have one in your town? Is that the Snoqualmie Pass? It is, the Snoqualmie Pass. <laughs> the what pass? Uh, whatever that is, the mountain pass. Yeah, here's the thing about Snoqualmie. Have you noticed that it's missing a vowel? Uh, it's not just that it's a weird word. It's that it's flat out. I'm always intrigued by, uh, well, there's, there's silent letters, but there's then there's the opposite of silent letters. There's where you're adding a letter where it doesn't, it, where there isn't one. In other words, there's the silent letter. Well, I was going to use Brett Favre, but that doesn't even make any sense. That that name is just wrong. That's he's, Somebody at, at Ellis Island just misspelled his name. What's your name, Brett? Yeah, exactly, Brett Favre. All right, and then it's uh, some dyslexic guy in New York transposed the the V and the R, and there you go. Snoqualmie though is not spelled Snoqualmie. Snoqualmie is spelled Snoqualmie. There's actually no additional A there at the end. Yeah, I don't think I'd have reason to to be writing that name. No, I guess you really wouldn't. Well, whatever. I realize now I don't care. Here's Tim Riley. Elsewhere in Washington, an environmental group announced plans today to sue Washington State if it approves a proposal to allow cattle grazing on portions of central Washington's Whiskey Dick Wildlife Area. That's a partial of rural sagebrush. It's situated between the state's two remaining sage-grouse populations. Iowa-based western watersheds contend the state must produce an environmental impact statement before allowing 160 cattle to forage on two pastures in Whiskey Dick which is uh, 110 miles east of Seattle. I also do appreciate the fact that the word grouse is in this story. Mm-hmm. By the, the way, grouse. let me ask you about grousing, Tim. Sure. No, really, I, because to grouse is to complain, is it not? I've never heard it referred to in that manner. I thought to grouse was to sort of 
to sort of whine about something. Well, never mind. Well, never mind. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, Whiskey Dick sits between the state's two largest remaining sage-grouse populations, and sightings have occurred in that area. Uh, sage-grouse, sage-grouse are listed as a threatened species by the state, no, of course. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Great show. Thank uh, you. I haven't, haven't listened in, like, two months. Started listening a week ago. Glad you guys are back. Wait. I don't understand. There's like three different things going on here. Great show. You haven't listened for a few months. You listened a week ago. You're glad we're back. Please <laughs> now to reconcile all of these statements. Go. <laughs> Never mind. No, anyway, no, no, seriously, you... no, I have to know. So if it's a great show, first of all, why have you not listened for a couple months? Uh, work. What kind of work do you do, and are you now just unemployed? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I listen to you at lunch. During, uh, yeah, because I'm a loner and I eat in my car. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm one of those. Nothing wrong with that, but I yeah, guess what I'm... I were you not, a normal nine to five. Were you not able to do it for the last couple of months for some reason? Yeah, exactly. Why is that? Um, because I wasn't a loner and I was eating with my office workers. And now you've been shunned by the tribe and you're sitting outside alone like a wounded gazelle. <laughs> More like I've shown society. Good for you, sir. All right. Uh, well, we're glad that we're back. Uh, what's up? How can I help yeah. you? Yeah, two quick things. Um, cars are generally insured more than their value, uh -huh. and I think that's why some car, de car dealerships, i.e. Lexus, are uh, lenient with their test drive. So if you take it and you just set fire to it or something, then that's fine. They're going to be in the chips anyway. Exactly. Yeah, and then, okay. Plus, you know, I think, you know, there's racial profiling. Excellent. I'm sure. And then another thing, quick uh, quick. <laughs> okay, whatever. That sucks. Okay. Um, what was the last part of his call, that there's profiling of some kind? Yeah, some kind. That, 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 I don't think they could do that. That's not a thing they can do. That wouldn't be right. Do they do that? Are car dealers allowed to do that? Well, they're kind of shifty characters. They're, I mean, they, they, I mean, we've had this discussion before. That's like those signs that say you can refuse service to anybody or whatever. And I don't think it's racial profiling so much as it is profiling for, like, me. I think it's, I think it's profiling for Southeast Portland. Let's just be honest. I don't think skin color enters into it. I think the only color that enters into that is green. And I think if it looks as though you cannot possibly afford the car, you will probably not be allowed to test drive the car. Although, like I said, a friend of mine didn't really have a lot of money, and he would test drive fantastic cars all the time. Just That was like his. That was like how girls sometimes will go clothes shopping even when they don't intend to buy anything. It's a lot of like, let's just go try some stuff on and look at ourselves in a mirror and then go home and weep. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the Oregon Driver and Motor Vehicle Office said this week it will no longer shield the names of police officers who allege someone is an unsafe driver. Apparently, these are secret reports. Uh, such reports, if deemed credible by the DMV, require motorists to retake a driving test or relinquish their license. The change in policy comes in response to persistence of Scott Roeder, who complained to public officials and the press about the secret complaint lodged against him. He lives in the western Oregon town of Vita. He said he should be able to face his accuser and the evidence against him. The legislature created the reevaluation program back in 1987. Uh, the DMV said that police reports of questionable drivers are public until 2003. That's when the program was expanded to address relative and doctor-generated reports. So if you want to rat on your relatives and say they're unsafe drivers, uh -huh. they'll keep a secret file on you. Excellent. Fantastic. And then eventually, do they come in, do they take them to a dacha in the countryside? I guess so. Eventually, they just take them somewhere where they live in a hole and eat dirt-covered beets? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's time now for the long-awaited Britney watch. Here's your... Br Ow. I just oh. stabbed myself right in the chest with a pen. Ow. All right, here's your Britney watch. Jesus.
So we have lots of stuff here. Yes, indeed. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> uh, would you like to know that uh, one source said Brittany was on Adderall, a stimulant used to treat attention deficit disorder, and was taking up to ten laxatives a day. Uh, really? Kelly caught her a few days Sexy. ago picking up a bag full of laxatives. Uh, let's see. Brittany accused her mom of sleeping with her boyfriend. She wasn't specific on who she was referring to. Uh, she was also per, uh, hurling profanities at her parents and staff. Wait, hold on. That's tough. So Brittany was, let's do this one at a time. So Brittany was something and then taking 10 laxatives a day? Yes. So, okay, is that like a weight loss thing or is that just because? That sounds like it. Yeah. All right. That's uh, a lot of like anorexic girls do. Boy, but I mean, I don't even understand how that works. I mean, how laxatives work? No, no I mean, <laughs> I understand how laxative works. Well, Are you sure? I lo- <laughs> Are you experiencing irregularity? <laughs> Gives you a shiny coat. Um, no, but I guess what I'm saying is 10 laxatives a day. Mm-hmm. Keep the doctor away. Well, and the weight. Uh, I, get, I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is it doesn't seem like even if you ate a lot, mm-hmm. doesn't it seem like there comes a point where there's no more... Water in the boat to ladle. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, she's just always photographed eating crap. Like, she's always in, in some, you know, fast food joint. But, I mean, at a certain point, aren't you just, uh, just nothing nothing, nothing left to, to, to lax, I would think. Not if she's constantly eating. I suppose that's true. I guess if you're constantly eating, then it's got to, con- you, maybe you're constantly. It's constant plumbing there. Yeah, I guess uh, garbage in, garbage out, maybe all day. All right, next, she was accusing her mom of what now? Uh, sleeping with her boyfriend. Which boyfriend? She doesn't specify. <laughs> one of any one of her many male suitors. This okay. all began with a police motorcade followed the ambulance carrying her to UCLA Medical Center. Now, I have varying reports about this. One said Cedar Sinai. This one says UCLA Medical Center. Well, we'll ask Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Uh, that, according to the LA Times, that reports the pre-planned ordeal appear to be carefully carried out. Times reporter Andrew Blankstein describes the scene. More than a dozen officers, most of them on motorcycles, and a rescue ambulance came in uh, through the front gate. Uh, you, they were in there for about 10, 10 minutes before on the radios you could hear the packages on the way out. Uh, okay. It's quite the package. So, so the cops refer to her as the package. Two police helicopters stood watch. So I'm so there's so much here that I don't understand. So let's let me just pull up a chair. I'm sorry. Uh-uh. All right. I might as well just hold on a second. Let me. I got I'm getting all of these emails about which bridges to jump off to kill yourself. I gotta, well, that I, is helpful. <laughs> I gotta close this because it's just distracting. All right. Uh, let's see here. All right. We can take that up later. No, no, no. It's fine. So I'm just going to get this in my way. All right. So here's what happened this morning. So I, I, and we and then we will work our, ourselves back to the, to the Britney story here. Mm-hmm. So as ye may or may not know, uh, I did this interview this morning with uh, with Dr. Drew from uh, you know Love Line and uh, Celebrity Rehab, and you know he's pimping the Celebrity Rehab show, which airs. There's a new episode of that tonight, and um, so I did it. We'll play it later on. I did a little pre-tape interview with him this morning, and I told Sarah the story already, but I. Came into work, walked right in here, because the interview was at like 8 o'clock, so I didn't have time to do anything. So I got up, got dressed, shaved, you know, and it came in. I walk into the studio, I sit down, he calls up, we we start rolling tape, and I do the interview with him. I had not looked at the news, I hadn't looked at TMZ, Drudge Report, anything. I just said to him at one point, I said, hey, Drew, so uh, are are you sick of being asked about Britney Spears? And he said, 
Oh, yeah, he's like, you know, the media people called me about it, and I, d I didn't even want to talk about it. And I said, oh, that's, well, we don't have to. And he says, no, 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 we can discuss it. It's, and then he went on about how, you know, she's being held, you know, in a hospital. To get a hospital hold like this is very difficult, and she clearly is nutty. Here's the, the whole time, though, I wasn't even aware that she had been taken to the hospital again today. Like, when I talked to, to Dr. Drew about it today, I was referring to the last time she was in the crazy house. He was talking about this morning's trip to the crazy house. And how interesting is it that with Britney Spears, she's been to the crazy house now so many times that there are any number of occurrences that you could choose to talk about. Mm. So, in any event, so I guess the deal today, what, was this last night or this morning? Early this morning. Early this morning. So was it voluntary or was this where someone had had enough and they called uh, El Hombre? Well, they planned this for days and they were waiting for the right moment to swoop down and snatch her away. <laughs> like, like an eagle. A, like, a, like a hungry vulture. <laughs> Like an osprey. Mm -hmm. uh, so, okay, so the cops come to her house. Mm -hmm. They say, Brittany, it's time to go to the nuttery. And she says, whatever. She, she didn't fight. She went willingly? I guess so. I don't see anything. She said she was cool as a cucumber. Uh-huh. I wonder. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Well, maybe she's, maybe she's just in the happy stage of her manic depressive cycle. Um, so she goes to the hospital. Now, the word, the word I'm hearing on the streets, and by streets I mean TMZ, is that she's in for three days. But if she refuses to take her meds, in other words, she's there for three days if she cooperates. If she refuses to take her meds, then it automatically becomes a 14-day stay over which she has no, she can't, she, she has to stay. Yes. Is that, is that what your people are telling you, Tim Riley? My people got in touch with me and told me that. <laughs> okay. She also checked into the facility using an alias. Really? They will not divulge that name. What would Brittany's alias be? Okay, no, I really, we really have to talk about this right now. First of all, A, do you think her alias is something stupid like Mrs. Jibbledy Wigglebottom? No, it's going to be something like Marilyn. I was something. just going to say, or is it going to be Norma Jean? Oh, totally. Is it going to be Norma Jean Madonna? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rick. So, all right, so she's in there under an alias. Have you ever checked into any place using an alias? Go. Sarah? Actually, I haven't, no. Tim? I didn't think you could do that anywhere anymore. Well, don't we are you sure about celebrities checking into hotels under aliases? I'm not a celebrity. Oh, Tim. Hotels. Tim, now, come on. Let's not be falsely modest about your stature. Uh, so, so do you? No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be weird. Then why should we? I was hoping you guys had led a more interesting life than I had in that regard. <laughs> well, because you always hear about celebrities who check into hotels under... What is it that... that what's his name? Russell Hammond says an almost famous. Sarah, what is Russell Hammond's alias at the uh, Continental Hyatt House? Oh, um, tell her I'm under, um, crap. Tell, tell her we loved her the last time she was in L.A. and we'd love to see her again. I'm under. It ain't California without her. Yeah, I'm under. Surveillance. Under my thumb. Oh. I'm under. I'm oh, my God. I'm under the bridge one day. I gave my life away. I'm under. I'm under your spell. I'm under. I'm just going to do this to Harry Houdini. Harry Houdini. Okay. No, when Gene Simmons would stay in hotels, Gene Simmons stayed under Reginald Van Helsing. And Reginald Van Helsing was the guy who hunted Dracula. So, uh, anyway, all right, there you go. Oh, I just so, she's not at Cedar sinai this time. She's at UCLA Medical Center. So, were they saying that she was at Cedar sinai uh, The last that... time she was. But not this time. No. Because you wonder if that's a thing where the family is trying to spread three different stories at once so you don't know which one is Only true. Only Dr. Phil can't get into this place so easily. <laughs> Man, I ran out of time with Drew this morning before I could ask him about Dr. Phil. I could, <clears throat> I really wanted to ask him, like, what he, because I know he hates, uh, I shouldn't say that. I know he has spoken in less than glowing terms of folks like Dr. Laura before, who's, you know, she's 
kind of a fake in her own sort of way. Uh, but I wanted to ask him what he thought of Dr. Phil, but I think that ship has sailed. I think we've all, as a, I think as a culture, we've just decided to toss Dr. Phil into the dung heap. So, so. last night, Brittany's new shrink went to her home and felt she was a danger to herself and others, partly because of her reckless driving and partly because of her downhill behavior. So they launched the plan days in the making to have her committed to UCLA by calling the cops. The cops knew it was coming. In fact, the plan for cops and paramedics to take Brittany away was from the night before, but it was scrubbed at the last minute. So uh, last night, it went according to plans. So this is, let's see here. Um, so then I guess she's there. That was this morning? Yes. So Thursday morning, Friday morning, so Friday, Saturday. So she's there till at least Sunday morning. Uh, and then if she refuses to take her medication, then they keep her for two weeks. How deeply satisfying and would that be? And when she uh, recovers enough, whenever that might be, they're planning on taking her out of Hollywood. Her mom, Lynn, wants to take her home to Louisiana. Lynn has decided that taking Brittany out of L.A. as soon as she's released from UCLA Medical Center uh, is the best thing to do. She's extremely concerned for her daughter. Would like to take Brittany back home to Louisiana and get her out of Hollywood. Did you hear the, those? Uh, I, it's a bad circle of friends she's involved with. And there's so much to talk about here. So, A, Sarah later on is going to give us a rundown of the Britney fact about who's who in this story. Because I can't even keep track of it myself. I just know it. I, I don't have to write it out. But apparently that Sam Lufty guy. He's creepy. Well, the word is, though, that like he has her power of attorney. That's like, because did you see that like he, that, that, like, he was making her medical decisions for her? Mm -hmm. Like the parents were trying to do stuff. And he was making her medical decisions, which is not like a thing you can do unless it's being granted to you, like like in a legal document. Well, apparently they have won the latest tug of war. Uh, the doctors at UCLA are now fully cooperating with the parents of Brittany. However, the war is not over until a judge signs an order as to who has control. Jesus. So, did you? Um, but did you see that story about the the the, the home videos that that guy is apparently shopping uh, around of her? Uh, and I'm trying to let's, I'm trying to find the story right here. Somebody sent it to me yesterday, and I don't I don't think I have it here. But it, it, apparently, there's some some other really creepy home videos of her that are sort of being uh, passed around at the moment. I think this is it. Um, and there are little excerpts. So here we go. Says I'm sure you both have seen this, but in case you missed it, it's got golden quotes from Britney. Britney Spears' paparazzi boyfriend has six video diaries of Britney he is trying to sell for $2 million. He's holding on to clips four and five for now, but there's a supposed rundown of the clips that show Britney is definitely out of it. Um, and so here's some of the clips. Clip number one. Britney's sitting on her bed wearing a nightie. She talks about herself in the third person and says things like, quote, when Britney was a child, she won all the beauty pageants. Is she singing it with that British accent? <laughs> I hope so. And I hope she does it in a sing-songy, crazy voice. Yes, when Britney was a child, she won all the beauty pageants. Does she have PR people anymore? No. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She just has DR people. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, clip number two. Britney wrapped in a white bath towel, perched on the edge of the bed. Talking to no one, she says, I'm, get, I'm quoting now. This is from somebody who has apparently seen the tapes. Brittany says to no one, quote, Brittany has an angel looking out for her. Don't you, angel? End quote. So great. Is this like with a sock puppet? <laughs> <laughs> like Siffle and Ollie? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you, Kukla? <laughs> Brittany and Cecil. Um... I like any I like any chance to make either a Siffle and Ollie or, or, or Beanie and Cecil reference. Uh, clip three: Brittany talking to Adnan, who's holding the camera and calling himself by his pet name Bubba. 
She says, I'm re she says again to no one, I'm really happy. Bubba's here for me now. It's all good. End quote. And finally, Brittany crying hysterically after a night out. Mascara stains her cheeks as she wails, Brittany wants to live. I'm not crazy. So there you go. So yeah, I bet uh, they're glad that she hasn't slept <laughs> since Saturday because she was too exhausted to put up a fight. <laughs> probably. Well, she was probably crashing. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Not like I'm not a doctor, but that's the, I mean, I mean that's just, that's the deal. If you're in some weird manic stage where you just don't sleep and you're up deciding to reshingle your house in the middle of the night or something, uh, you know, then there comes a point where you kind of go and I yeah, and then you're just done. So it's fantastic. Um, all right, is there anything else? So Brittany's in the nut house right now. Yes. All right. Get thee to a nuttery. She hadn't slept since Saturday. It was funny. Really? So that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, that's way That's over. five days. Yeah. That's like 120 hours. Well so done. She was exhausted. She should win a prize for that. She should get a visa. Exactly. I don't think she needs any more. We should send her some. Uh, all right. Uh, so we'll have more on that. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer will join us. Later on, we'll also play back uh, the interview with uh, Dr. Oh, Drew. She was seen shopping for Red Bull at 5 a.m. yesterday morning. Is this the thing where she was shopping naked? No, she has uh, she has something on. And her pink wig, right? Yeah, and that awful pink wig. Uh, you know, the best part about this, I was over at the Plaid Pantry this it's morning. It's Evangeline. As I, hey, look at that. I, You know, that's a, that's true. Mm -hmm. Um. I was over at the Plaid Pantry this morning, as I am every morning, and uh, the best part about this whole thing is if you look at the cover of the Star magazine, it's Britney just saying, I'm not crazy. Like, that's the big poll quote from her. All right, there's your Britney watch for a Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program. After this, don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Two brief things here, then we will uh, rejoin the news with Tim Riley coming up later on. Dorothy Carceri from the National Enquirer. Uh, Playback uh, this morning's interview with Dr. Uh, Dr. Dre. With Dr. Drew. There ought to be a Dr. Dre celebrity rehab, don't you think? If you fall off the wagon, he just beats your ass with a pipe. Um... Well, here's a sexy story. Custodian accused of sex with student. A school janitor for the Jordan Independent School District is accused of having sex with a student. District officials say workers heard a rumor last week about a janitor at Jordantown Elementary School having sex with a junior high student in December. Officials say the 18-year-old custodian and the teenage boy knew each other, but that's no excuse. The janitor could face criminal charges. Oh, if, if she's arrested. It's an 18-year-old female janitor. How do you become an 18-year-old female janitor? Equal rights. <laughs> Title IX. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Now, uh, for this next one, this is like a picture pages thing. I would like for you now all to go to rickemerson.com and look at uh, today's visual aid. Visual aid for today's program, it is the the, the primary post at uh, rickemerson.com. You will see a uh, fetching blonde woman. I would rank her on the classic 1 to 10 scale, maybe uh, six and a half. Seven, maybe, if you're is drunk. This the teacher? Yeah. Oh, you're so, always so generous. Can I see her? Yeah, she's it's right there. It's on my website, rickemerson.com. Oh. Rickemerson.com. You just go to rickemerson.com. It's Rick right Emerson. there. Rick Emerson. It's today's blog entry. You will see a blonde woman. 
I think she's cute. I think she's legitimately attractive. All right. Let's see this. It's coming up right now. Oh, she's cute. Tim, are you able to see this photo? Where? Not even listening. Oh, I'm, I'm... You're totally right. She's in cute in a Megan McCain kind of way. Yeah, totally. Cute in a sudden kind of slutty, trashy sort of way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... She's uh, cuter than I would have thought she would Let's be. just put it that. I mean, we all know I have a type. Let's just be honest about that. Yeah. So, <laughs> grubby is good. Um, anyway, so, anyway, so I'm, here's this, this student, this teacher, and she's accused of having sex with a student. So, I'm going to read you a couple uh, phrases now for this article. A Mississippi teacher admitted to cops that she had sex with a 15-year-old male student to whom she sent explicit emails and who trysted with her in her Jaguar, or Jaguar, as Liam Gallagher would say, her Jaguar, which bore the vanity license plate, grrr, best license plate ever. Those are just some of the sleazy details in a Biloxi Police Department report uh, detailing Rebecca Don Bogard's alleged sexual encounters with the boy, who the 27-year-old educator taught at Biloxi Alternative School, which is, uh, of course, a school for challenging teens. According to the document, the teacher, Bogard, referred to the teenage boy as, quote, her little sex fiend. Investigators <laughs> investigated were contacted by... Who? Who contacted investigators? Who tipped off the man? The boy's mother. The boy's mother. Investigators were contacted by the boy's humorless, joyless mother after she discovered raunchy emails, including one from the teacher who wrote, I love you. Yeah, yeah. It was the best. Which night was the best for you? And then, phrase of the day, the teacher tells the boy after a night of canoodling, I'm sensitive but not sore. Sensitive, but not sore. Was she talking about her emotions? Grr. No, I don't think so. Are you sure? No. Well, maybe. No. There you go. Grr. All right, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Maybe she's sore from pushing her mop around. Is that what they call it now? She is a janitor, isn't she not? No, you're conflating the two stories. Oh, I'm sorry. And quite possibly just inadvertently quoting Minnie the Moocher by Cab Calloway. Mm-hmm. All right, here's Tim Riley. So Entertainment Tonight... Pushing a mop around. Entertainment Tonight says on air a video it has acquired that shows a late Heath Ledger at a Hollywood party where drugs are apparently being taken. Uh, so out of respect for his family, the insider decided not to run the Heath Ledger video that has been circulating around the entertainment world. This video shows a man, his face blurred, seeming to snort cocaine from a table. Seeming to... How does one appear to be snorting cocaine from a table? Uh, Ledger said that he was uh, going to get serious beep from my girlfriend for being at the party. It also shows him rolling cigarette paper. He has heard saying, I used to smoke five joints a day for 20 years. He also quotes Dr. Drew. Really? Saying he had seen the beat. Uh, oh, uh, the show also quotes Dr. Drew as saying he had seen the video and it is heartbreaking. Uh, he had seen the video. I asked him about it this morning. Uh, I asked him if he'd seen the video and he has some thoughts on that. I'm not, I don't mean to be endlessly teasing this. It's just we're going to do it later in the day. He, uh, he, uh, when Drew would talk this morning, he talked about Britney Spears a little bit. It's not like a really long interview. We, I don't know. I did probably eight, nine minutes with him. Don't underestimate your ability. No, I'm just saying. Uh, we touched on Britney Spears and then he has seen this Heath Ledger video too. So, but I mean, it doesn't, first of all, we should be fair. Heath Ledger on the video apparently is not seen doing drugs. He is at a table where, and I guess maybe they're saying he could have, the guy could have been snorting something else. I don't know what else it would possibly be that you would, I don't think you can, I think there's a limited number of things you can snort, I mean, that, that like won't kill you. Carpet cleaners. Well, maybe. 
Because I know, like, you can't, like, I don't think, you, somebody told me that if you snort heroin, that'll just kill you. I don't think that's true. Though. I don't know any heroin users. Sarah? I know one person who did use heroin, and he just always shot it. Yeah, I don't think, I think you can smoke it, and then I think you can shoot it. I, I always, I always heard, and I'm no heroin expert, uh, I always heard that if you snorted heroin, that it would, or H, as the kids call it, that it would just kill you. Uh, anyway, so there's some guy in the video apparently doing drugs or whatever, but, um, well, then we have this New York Post story. That said, Heath Ledger had become a regular user of cocaine and heroin this past year. Getting so high on drugs that his exasperated Michelle Williams was forced to boot him out of her Brooklyn home. She couldn't take it anymore. She said Heath would show up, or wouldn't show up, for two or three days, and all of a sudden he would show up at her doorstep an absolute wreck. He was partying doing drugs. She didn't like the company he was keeping. She gave him an ultimatum and threatened to get custody of the girl. He wanted to make it work, but this was a scene. See, and I know that her people have already denied that. And I'm not. I'm really not trying to. What is Kiefer Sutherland saying? A few good men. I'm not trying to trample on a dead man's grave. Mm-hmm. I, I just sort of. I mean, I, I just sort of instinctively believe all of this stuff, though, because a. And this is not about. Really, it's not even about Heath Ledger. I just automatically believe it, though, for two reasons. A. Her denial kind of means nothing to me, just because you assume that a, a loved one or a family they would just deny everything. Period, and you can understand why they would do it. Well, and it's also a fact that he was running around town with everybody, and he slept with Lindsay Lohan. Really? Oh yeah. She don't you remember that story when she like no. announced to all her friends she's like I'm gonna go to New York City and f Heath Ledger. It's good to Where, have dreams. Kids. Maybe they were just taking a nap. You know what? And her <laughs> dream was fulfilled. They just cuddled. I mean, I I mean, you know, cuddled party. Uh, uh, again, it's like let's you know. Look, if, he drank a lot. He drank to get drunk. God, people, like, everyone drinks to get drunk. Let's just, let me put it this way. If Richie Bristol, God forbid, were to be hit by a bus tomorrow. I thought you slept with Lindsay Lohan. Well, if, if Richie Bristol were to be hit by a bus and then we were to, you know, be going through his possessions and we found a big box of severed heads, we would meet, and, you know, Richie Bristol found a box of severed heads. I think we would all deny that, even if it were true. We'll give them to mm-hmm. arms. You just don't, I mean, there's just certain Maybe things. Maybe he was holding the box for somebody else. <laughs> somebody was paying him to. Somebody else put the heads in that trunk. I mean, if Heath Ledger, I mean, look, if, if your husband or your fiancé or whatever, if her fiancé or ex-fiancé was doing all kinds of cocaine and heroin, and then they were, you just, you just deny it. Whether it's true or not, you deny, deny, deny. That's just the way that every, that's, the, that's human nature, and it's especially the way of celebrity human nature. It doesn't matter how true it is, you just deny it. That's just the way that it works. Secondly, and I and I don't I'm not trying to be flip when I say this, but like don't you just assume that everybody in Hollywood does cocaine and everybody in the entertainment industry does cocaine, period? Bet Dr. Drew doesn't. Nah, probably not, but I think we all know that there are exceptions that prove rules. I'm just saying I know this makes me sound hopelessly like Luke Skywalker farm boy, but there was a time when I was re- when I would be sort of I won't say shocked. But there was a time I remember when I would be surprised when someone I knew would tell me that they had done cocaine or did cocaine. I remember early on, like when I was younger, somebody would say, well, blah, 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 and then we did all this cocaine. And everybody we did in the 80s. Wait, but, I mean, everybody does it now. I mean, I'm not trying, and I'm, I'm really not. Nobody in my neighborhood. And I'm not. <laughs> the only thing white there is the snow, also the people. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to pass any judgment. I really don't care. Do cocaine, don't do it. It doesn't matter to me. Um but I mean, you know, I would. I would talk to, well, what happened? Well, last night we decided to watch TV, and then uh, then we went to Taco Time. Then we did cocaine. Oh, and we rented a movie. And I and I, after a while, I just stopped being sort of surprised because I just realized that every single person I knew did it, and everybody I knew in the entertainment industry did it or had done it. So I'm not trying to minimize it. And kids, Uncle Rick is not telling you to do cocaine. I'm just saying it doesn't even qualify. 
and I'm not trying to minimize this. I'm not trying to, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish the seriousness of someone who has a drug problem or when I'm not trying to say all drugs are equal. But to me, hearing that somebody does or has done cocaine is really only one slight step up from when somebody says that they used to smoke weed or they do smoke weed. Like, I just don't. It's just not all that stuff. I just don't care. It's not that I don't care. It just doesn't. I'm not shocked by it. And I just don't consider it that big of a deal. Like, I don't. It it, it doesn't. It's not like it really has some big, uh, you know, big surprise effect to it anymore. So, you know, which I guess is a long way of saying that I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with his death. I mean, I don't know, obviously. That's exactly what I thought. I mean, I feel like it's irrelevant to his death. I think like people are, are just like strewing this about the media and it's like really i i just keep looking for like what's the cause of death right. what's the cause of death instead of like wow this is what he did in life but that's all fine and good what happened that led up to the fact that he died and i think that's i'm taking a really long time to say the same thing which is that the fact that he may have done cocaine or did cocaine it, in my opinion almost has nothing to do with the fact that like what did he die of like the two were not necessarily related in any way just because it's so widespread it's just so common well so, yeah you're yeah. already hearing things like oh yeah i better not take too many sleeping pills so i'm not like Heath Ledger. It's like or People Britney Spears. No. Oh, Britney Spears is that's just gonna live forever. You she know will. That. She'll never die. Ugh. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about other more cheerful things. Uh, Governor Schwarzenegger has announced that he is endorsing John McCain for the Republican presidential nomination. I am endorsing Senator McCain to be the next president of the United States. Things of this nature. I am interested in a great future. And I think that Senator McCain has proven over and over again that he is reaching across the aisle in order to get things done. All right. So last night there was this debate at the uh, the Reagan Library in front of the old Air Force One, and even Nancy Reagan made a cameo appearance. Speaking really? with Anderson Cooper, did she appear like it's a, did she appear uh, like in a like in a bubble like Emperor Palpatine? Just sort of <sighs> no, she looked like a red dress on a coat hanger. I didn't I didn't see her last yeah. night because I came out having her, but I I saw that. Then that's on Drudge this morning. There's a picture of her, and that's where it came from. That that, that can't be from last night. Well, man, she, she looked really look, good. I mean, for her, she did not look anything like that last night. Really? Did she look like just like a chicken bone? Left in the sun? Pretty much. Okay. This morning on Drudge, there was a picture of her in a red dress, though, um, where she didn't look that bad. Like, not as bad as you would I, think. I don't think that's from last night. <laughs> I mean, it was, like, obviously pallets and pallets of makeup on her face. But, um, so what was her point? What was the... Did she speak last night, or did she just wave like the queen? Well, she's, uh, she waved and thanked Anderson Cooper for being there. Really? Yeah. You suppose she's fond of him? Maybe. I don't know. All right. Here's... Uh, she Rome. may know his mom. Uh, so uh, last night, uh, Mitt Romney and uh, John McCain went at it. The Arizona senator took a swipe at Romney's record as governor. As I understand it, his record was that he raised taxes by $730 million. Taxes. He called them fees. I'm sure the people that had to pay it, whether they called them bananas, he still had to pay $730 million extra. I have to say, McCain last night kept going after the thing about Romney firing people. Uh, because he knows that that's the way to make America hate a guy. Uh, McCain at one point said... Uh, and he looks like somebody who would fire you. Oh, McCain looks like a guy who would fire you and then, and, and then uh, like tear up your possessions in front of you and then mock your tears. Mock the lamentations of your woman. Um, the uh, Sorry, it's all the Schwarzenegger. Um, the, um, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to... Did you lose your locomotive of thought? No, I just... I just want to talk like Arnold Schwarzenegger now. But McCain was doing all this like backhanded compliment or left-handed, whatever it is, where you're being a dick, but you're trying, but you're not trying to look like it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he said this great thing to Romney. He goes, not too, but about Romney. He says, uh, 
He said, well, you know, uh, Governor Romney's a business owner, and, uh, you know, he's uh, handled a lot of companies. A lot of folks lost their jobs because of him, but I suppose that's, uh, you know, that happens sometimes. And it was, it was just like the most subtle but effective dig. And it, it, well, it he all... looks, uh, Romney looks like the mean boss anyway. He does. He just looks like a bastard. Uh, and you can't guarantee your stability at this company. <laughs> they could fire us all tomorrow. <laughs> well, there's going to be a little bit of belt tightening here, and uh, we're Certainly all not mine. <laughs> My belt's been saved. I just have to move to Kansas. Really? Yes, I really said that. Okay. <laughs> You're simply going to have to find a way to do more with less. Uh, but it all you know it's all building on that one brilliant comment that Huckabee made about a month ago, where he said you want to vote for a guy that you'd hang out with, not for the guy who fired you, mm. which is what Romney looks like. Yes. Uh, and when and Romney, boy, McCain just uh, to use the parlance of uh, there will be blood, uh, McCain just drank his milkshake because there was this sequence uh, last night of, of comments where Romney kept trying to um leverage like his business experience. Romney, I'm a businessman. I've been a successful business person. I've managed many successful businesses. That's like his whole thing to get the economic vote. And McCain finally said at one point, McCain says, look, I can hire all the white-collar managers I need. You need somebody with military leadership. And that was like, bam, one sentence, and Romney looked like he had just been kicked in the, in the sack. It was really gratifying. So Romney takes a uh, slap at McCain for opposing some tax cuts and for supporting campaign finance reform. He voted twice against the Bush tax cuts. Only two Republicans did that. Uh, he is a co-author of McCain-Feingold, which I think took a whack at the First Amendment. Then McCain and Romney even bicker it over newspaper endorsements. If you get endorsed by the New York Times, you're probably not a conservative. Senator McCain? <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Let me note that I was endorsed by your two hometown newspapers who know oh! you best, including the very conservative Boston Herald. Oh, yeah! I like you, Romney. That's why I kill you last. And at some point, Ron Paul got to speak. Oh. You know, we have a foreign policy where we blow up bridges overseas. And then we tax the people to go over and build, rebuild the bridges overseas, and our bridges are falling down, and our infrastructure is falling down. It's all true, but nobody's going to listen to you. I was just going to say it's all true, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't he sound like a guy who would be on public television mm -hmm. at about 2 in the morning talking to you about asteroids? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And what we've got over here is the Sombrero Nebula, you know, and just like pointing like Bob well, Ross he, or something. His problem is he gives the American public credit for being too intelligent. Oh, yeah. No, that's a, that, that's a very bad move. Well, I thought that he did that uh, kind of quasi-victory speech in Iowa, I think it was, or something. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know, God love him. He's got a bunch of nutcase rabbit supporters who are all for him. Look, I'm no, look, we're no one to knock. We're no one to knock nutcase rabbit supporters. Um, but he came out, and the first words out of his mouth: "Let me talk to you about the gold standard." And it's like you could just hear the shutting of eyelids and the clicking of dials all across the country. So you know, he does have, as they say, some straight talk. It doesn't really cure the fact that he's crazy, but he does seem to have some straight. Can you play that clip again of McCain uh, drinking Romney's milkshake? That would be that would be really wonderful. You could do that one more time. Kane, the um, the endorsement. Let's see here. Okay. If you get endorsed by the New York Times, you're probably not a conservative. Wait Senator for it. McCain? <laughs> Listen to the chuckle. <laughs> Let me note that I was endorsed by your two hometown newspapers who know you best. Oh! Very conservative Boston Herald. Oh! And to hear the lamentations of his woman. That's great for an old man. Oh man. Well, you know, but the best part is, oh, so I could just play that all day. Um, the best part about that moment is when Romney thinks he's delivered the knockout blow 
you know, by tagging him as a liberal, by saying you've been endorsed by the New York Times, and hearing McCain's chuckle when McCain realizes that Romney has just given him that opening. I mean, that's. Can you play it one more thank time? You, thank you, thank oh, you, thank you. No, 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 but here, just one more time. But the thing about it is, Romney has. Absolutely no emotions whatsoever. No, he's no, he's. A, I mean, he, he's like a standing Botox machine. <laughs> if you get endorsed by the New York Times, you're probably not a conservative. Senator McCain, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Let me note that I was endorsed by your two hometown newspapers, who know you best, including oh! the very conservative Boston Herald. That's what I'm talking about, right there. That's like when he does that. That's like Uma Thurman doing the five-fingered star fist of death or whatever on David Carradine. Keith Carradine? Who's David Carradine? Oh, he was Kung Fu. Okay, David Carradine. Right guy. Okay. Who's Keith Carradine? Is there a Keith I'm Carradine? Easy. He's saying that song, I'm Easy. No, that was the Commodores. No, no, that that was Easy. Not I'm Easy. They're two different songs. What is I... What's Easy Like Sunday Morning? That's the Commodores. What's I'm Easy? I'm Easy. I'm Easy. <laughs> I've got a new ringtone. Uh, all right. Oh, we've got calls about heroin. On KCMD Portland, a proud part of the CBS radio family. Imagine that. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Well, I'd like to preface this by saying I'm not actually a drug user, just, you know, an informed and uh, curious observer. Uh, heroin, Uma Thurman, Pulp Fiction, yeah. heroin, death. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. It, 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 and I remember that I, everything I know I learned from Led Zeppelin biographies. There was this Zeppelin biography where it talked about a guy in the band accidentally, almost accidentally snorting heroin. It was laid out on the table like Coke. He almost went to snort it, and a guy's like, no, and like knocked him away from the table because of the whole thing it was it would have killed you or whatever. So, yeah. so why? Well, here's a dumb question, though. Why can you shoot it right into your heart, but you can't snort it? Like, what's the difference? Well, when you shoot it into your heart, you're using a very, very, very small dose, and you're right. cooking it and then injecting it into your body. And right. when you snort it, you're snorting a very large amount of it. And then there's this whole crazy blood-brain barrier thing that'll uh, that'll kill you outright. Interesting. All right. Thank yeah. you, sir. No problem. Bye now. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Um, don't ask why I know this and kids cover your ears, but actually, um, high-grade, yeah, you can't snort. Like a China white, but low grade, like a tar, you can dilute with purified water, and then it will go into any mucous membrane, eyes, tongue, nose. Attention um, advertisers, you too can reach this target demographic as Tom like. But a household yeah. income of $75,000 a year. Well, they have to. Clearly, clearly they need all the money they can get, Tim. <laughs> um, the heroin doesn't buy itself. So you're saying if it's very pure heroin... No, no snorting. But if it's if you somehow cut or stepped on or whatever they call it, then it's okay. Well, like there's the high grade, like it's actually a powder a lot of times, but uh -huh. the low grade will be like a, a gummy. Like good, better, and best in the Sears catalog. <laughs> it is actually like I knew a guy who used to sell highs, lows, and mids. You know. Uh huh. But the low, it's a tar, and yeah, you can actually mix it with water and just keep mixing it, and mixing it, and mixing it, and it gets dirty looking, but and it tastes horrible. What do they, to the best of your knowledge, or you, what do they typically cut heroin with to, you know, to, to what, you know, to, you know what I mean, to dilute it? What you're not. I really don't know. I uh, mostly know about it just from family members. Uh huh. But uh, I've seen him like my brother. I remember one time watching him actually tip back with a little visine bottle in his mouth and then fall over, and I was, hmm. He's dead. And then, well, he wasn't dead, but he was uh, very, very happy. And calm. Wait, so he had diluted it down into like water or something? Yeah, it turns into a liquid. Like, you literally just mix water and tar and keep shaking it, keep shaking it, keep shaking it. And it gets into this black, watery, nasty, like something out of the sewer. And then you can actually put it in, like, a Visine bottle or a dropper. Sexy. And then... 
This it is, sounds like Jenkum. I, I was I just going to say they're listening. I no, no, I mean, well, you know what? Look, here's it's the thing. Like I, school I, I really am honestly not not trying to tell people to do drugs. I'm really not. But, of course, it's, and first of all, students shouldn't be listening. You should be in school learning. Uh, but also, you know, there's no point in lying to the kids because then they just don't trust you about anything. But, uh, but you know, that just – so that's like – you know what it is? So heroin, this sounds like it was like in the 80s when they decided to make bubble gum in every different form they possibly could. There was powdered bubble gum and shredded bubble gum and liquid bubble gum and mentholated bubble gum and bubble gum that's shaped like a cow and, you know, I mean, just everything. So that's that's kind of what it is with heroin. So now there's – you can take heroin in all kinds of ways. I think what it is is like when you actually get the poppy and you slit it and then you get the – whatever nasty sticky stuff and then yeah. you dry it i think if you refine it further it turns into a powder but if you leave it kind of in that state okay here's a here's a dumb question and maybe you don't even know the answer to this but here's the thing i wonder about okay so let's say you're some guy who's using heroin for the first time okay and you've made that decision for whatever insane reason like hey you know what would be really good in my life is to inject heroin into my body and you sit down there and you've got the heroin and the needle and the, the whatever here how do you know how much to use like is there a little book they give you when, i'm not uh, i don't know how do cuz it seems like if the first time you do heroin you do too much that's going to be the last time you do heroin so how do you even know how much to use I think most people, I mean, I've never shot. I'm actually deathly afraid of needles. I'm tattooed in Paris and deathly afraid of needles. Okay. But I think usually the first time you get shot, somebody does it for you. Like, I don't think anybody sits down and is like, well, let me get a cotton swab, a spoon. and Like, I think you usually got somebody who kind of initiates you into it. There's a there's a Mr. Miyagi of heroin who, who helps yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. You know, grasshopper, tie off, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> that's the worst thing that's ever been said here. <laughs> Excellent. There's a Virgil who rows you across the river Styx. All right. Uh, well, that does make sense, especially if the guy who this really is the darkest conversation, but especially if the guy who shoots you up for the first time is the guy who's dealing to you because he clearly doesn't want you to die because he wants you around to buy more smack from him. Well, that's the funny thing. Like, I remember watching a guy who was weighing to uppers and a guy who was weighing to downers argue, and the guy on uppers was talking about... Did they end up having an argument that was really just sort of a baseline me medium? Well, it just came down to, like, uh, whose death is, is nicer. Uh-huh. And it was basically, well, the, the heroin guy just falls asleep, but the coke guy gets to have his heart explode and God knows what. Timmy, you're writing all this down? I okay. am, yes. All right. But he'll never find it in his neighborhood. We all know this. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye oh, I found that song for you. Which song? Oh, is this uneasy? And if I'm not sure, who is it? Not my way. Pete Kennedy. See uh -huh. what's going on inside of me. Is this when a joke? Love, no, it's a song. It's called uneasy. Here, here it comes. Please stop pulling at my sleeve if you're just playing. This is from the 70s. You won't uh -huh. take the things you make Yes, ladies, it's our midday coffee break. We're going to pull up the chair. <laughs> never care too much for danger. And this one's driving me. This is sort of like a really, like, this is like a poor man's Jim Crochet. There were a lot of them back then. This is, if I could save time in a bottle. Yeah, I'm easy. Give the word, I'll play your game. This is a terrible song. that's Security ladies. The love man here. Really? Music till three. Put down that soup spoon and why don't you and I do a slow dance? <laughs> Waddle over to the radio and turn up Keith Carradine on KCMD Portland. Um, okay, here's the thing. I've got more heroin calls. Or, well, there's really no or. I've got more heroin calls. Ooh, what do we say? Yes, no? Sure. Why not? 
What other station cares to give me this information? Um, Kabu, probably. Uh, let's what, see. What here. is that? Oh, that little station. Let's see here. Uh, well, we've got heroin, heroin, or a call that's oddly specific about cutting heroin. Let's start with that one. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this me? Yes, it is, sir. Hey, uh, Rick, they use baby laxatives to cut heroin. Now, see, that's the thing you always hear, but is that really true? Yeah, they do the same thing with Coke. But, I mean, uh, why? First, why baby laxative? Um, because because it's gentle on the system, and it's, it's really hard to tell. A, a person legally distinct from me um, used to uh, sling a little bit of cocaine, and yes. he used the same thing. And so, here's a dumb question. I mean, I, I guess maybe the answer is obvious. It maybe it just looks like okay, but I don't even know what baby laxative is. I mean, I know what it does, but I mean, is it a powder? Is it a pill? What What is yeah, baby laxative? Yeah, some of it kind of looks like uh, crystal meth, and some of it kind of actually looks like Coke. And you can actually buy it at head shops. Really? Are you kidding yeah. me? No. Is that like one of those, is that like, there are products like that that are sold, and you know the only purpose is that of illegality, and you wonder... Yep. This is a weird analogy, but it's like radar detectors. I always wonder why those are legal. You know, I mean, how you, I, I would like to do to ask a lawyer or a cop or somebody sometime how it is. I mean, I don't care, but how, how you can even how you can even legally sell. So they sell baby laxative in head shops. Correct. That's like when you go into a or a person distinct. That's like when I go into you know you go into like a like a, you know like a fantasy video or something, and they sell that it, baby laxative. No, not baby laxative, but they sell like. Uh, what what they call it, like VCR head cleaner, and it's just like it's amyl nitrate, and I mean, and, and they're selling it ostensibly so that you can clean the heads of your VCR if you're Sarah, um, but clearly it's just like it's like a drug, it's a drug, it's a thing you inhale, I think, and, it's, it's, and they sell it there for. It's like in a lot of here's another thing in casinos, I don't think anymore they do this, but in a lot of um, like pro shops at a casino where you buy chips and cards, a lot of casinos would sell beeswax, and to my knowledge. The only use of beeswax when you play cards is to mark cards. And yet you would go into pro shops at casinos and they would sell beeswax, whose only purpose, I think, was to cheat. So it's just weird what you can buy that should be illegal but isn't. All right, thank you, sir. No problem. Bye now. All right, there you go. What a weird show this is today. It's educational, really. Yes, it, it really is. Because seems, we care about the children. No, it's true. This is, I should, uh, we should call Lacey Turner right now and tell her to pull this whole show mm -hmm. uh, for one of her PSA uh, submissions. Here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, residents of the uh, Flint, Michigan, Chuck E. Cheese are very upset. After authorities, uh, well, they spray, they pepper spray the crowd of children <laughs> at Flint's Chuck E. Cheese restaurant. We do not pay taxes for y'all to spray our kids in the face. That's ridiculous. <laughs> really? Hold on. What is that cut called? What is the name of C that? C Cheese Parent One. <laughs> C Cheese. Any underscores? Parent One. No. Parent One. Authorities say they were called the Chuck E. Cheese after a fight broke up between three teenage girls. However, the fight quickly escalated into a knockdown, dragout brawl involving as many as 80 people at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, Jesus, that's fantastic. Officers used pepper spray to try to control the crowd. Nobody was injured. Several parents claimed their young children were sprayed by officers during the brawl. Uh, one of the parents said they tried to protect their children. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies, you're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. <laughs> You've got to save them that time. That's why we was okay. like, stop, stop, you're spraying the baby, you're spraying, you're spraying the, baby. the baby. They didn't even care. I'm sorry, it's wrong to, it's not wrong to laugh, I'm laughing. What's that called, Tim? Sea Cheese Parent 2. 
How many sea cheese parent cuts are that's there? That's it. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, that's it. Hold on. I'm going to make sure that I've got these right here. Hold on. Audio. So let's play them again. Here's number one. We do not pay taxes for y'all to spray our kids in the face. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, truer words were never spoken. Parent number sir. two. That's why we was like, stop, stop. You're spraying the babies. You're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. Stop, stop. You're spraying the babies. Okay, let's do this final uh, call about probably heroin. Who are we fooling? And then we'll move on to a more news. Hi, you're on that or suicide. You're, <laughs> you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, is this me? Uh, yeah. On uh, another medium on the Howard Stern show, Artie Lang, uh, heroin addict, only sniffed it. Wait, so he was or is? Uh, well, I think once once you are, once you uh, always are. Well, you know what I mean. Is he, he does, yeah, uh, was. So once did use heroin? Yes, for a length of time. And, and so only he, sniffed. he only sniffed it? Yes. Interesting. Uh, and so, I mean, did he give an explanation as to why that was? Uh, hated needles. Oh, well, fair enough. I mean, I don't, I mean, I was going to say, I can't imagine what would cause me to inject myself. But, I mean, I, I you know, I, I guess if you're a heroin addict, I suppose you'll produce, I mean, really, the, the amount of things that people do to obtain and use drugs is pretty staggering anyway, so. Well, that Carradine song makes me wish I had about a pound of heroin. The what? That uh, Keith Carradine song. Or... Oh, yeah, the easy. Well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. Let's see here. The cheese parent. I need some more coffee, speaking of stimulants. There's a big bat of it over there. I know. I just, I, we've been so busy talking about heroin, I haven't had a chance to get any coffee. Uh, let's see. I don't feel my joke was properly appreciated with that guy, though, that when the guy was talking about how he saw a guy who was on uppers and a guy who was on downers get in a fight. And I love the idea that the, the fight itself ends up being really just media. Here we go. See cheese parent. We do not pay taxes for y'all to spray our kids in the face. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies, you're spraying the babies. The they best. didn't even care. That's the best thing I've heard We do not pay taxes for y'all to spray. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies, you're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. That's the best thing I've heard all day. Yeah. Really, that's, that's fantastic. I'm to I am saving those for future use. So CBS wonders if it's worth paying our salaries. That should put that argument to rest, didn't it? Really, you're right. Who else is going to provide uh, this kind of entertainment? That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies, you're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. Wonderful. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're <laughs> spraying the, the babies, you're spraying the babies. They didn't even care. The thing is, Tim and I both have access to the same audio cuts, and so we're just thinking, it's like Pong. It's like audio, it's actuality Pong. That'll be on our work. HD radio channel. <laughs> <laughs> Hidden radio stations are out there waiting for you. And that'll be... It'll just be a trend. Spring the baby station. <laughs> Ow, my chair just fell over. Make that investment in that new HD radio today. And hear content unheard of on other stations. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies. <laughs> <sighs> on sale now for only $299. <laughs> Your new HD radio. It'll be on AM970.2. All right, fantastic. Jesus. I'm exhausted That's already. going to end up in a music video somewhere. <laughs> It'll be like that uh, baby cry that ended up in the Aaliyah uh, video. Mm. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Uh, Sarah X. Dillon is very happy today because the uh, drama Lost is back. Tonight, the ABC series will air the first of eight all-new episodes. Show writer-producer uh, Carlton Coos said he had feared that only airing part of season four due to the writer's strike was, well... Like reading half the Harry Potter novel and then putting it down. 
The star of the show, Michael Everson, says he thinks fans of the show will find it's better than nothing. At the end of every Lost episode, there's a bit of a cliffhanger, and I have to say at the end of the eighth episode, there's a really good sort of oh-my-God moment. And it, that wouldn't be such a bad place to sort of walk away for a few months and think about what we've seen. Oh, he's just being yeah, a dick. Sure. He's just being a dick there about the writer's strike. There's a huge cliffhanger at the end of... You haven't even started season four, and he's already screwing with you by telling you what a cliffhanger there's going to be at the end of episode eight. Yeah. Now, I mean, let me ask you this, Sarah. Uh, yeah. Because you are uh, the biggest Lost fan here on the show. In a way, would you rather wait and get the whole season at once if they told you... If they said, look... We'll give you eight episodes now, and then the rest, like in December, or you can wait six months and get it all at once. No, because that's how Lost works. Like, even if it is, even if it does go up to the last episode of the season, it's always a cliffhanger. Yeah. It's nev- it's, it never stops. So, I mean, I it doesn't really, I don't think with this show it particularly matters. I guess. Because have... every season that has ended has the hugest cliffhanger of all, and it's like, it's even, I'm more impatient to wait for the next season. Now, have they told you uh, when it is that this is going to end? How many other series, how many seasons has it got left? Do you know? Is there like a cutoff they point? they have a definitive ending point. I think they're lying about that. Though. I don't. <laughs> you, I know you don't want to believe that. No, I think... I know you I'm don't. I'm not looking forward to seeing. I hope Michael's face isn't on there tonight. Oh, I've got a thing about loss. We're going to read later on, by the way, just to irritate you. So, um, not to irritate you, but just to sort of stoke the fires a little bit. Here's Tim Riley. The island's castaways' impending rescue is not what it seems. The people that are coming from the mysterious freighter have, uh, they have another <laughs> agenda. So it's the rescuing of the survivors is not their first priority. I started out overweight. I figured, what the heck. What? I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I guess it's the one that cast away. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies. All right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, Marie Osmond is uh, working on a new project. It is for the uh, Heart Fund. Uh, she says she was very concerned about her own heart not too long Over ago. Over the eight years that I was taking care of my parents, uh, I probably put on about five pounds every year and found myself uh, 40 pounds overweight kind of lethargic, uh, not as active as I used to be, and really bad eating habits. But now she's exercising properly. I started out overweight. I figured, what the heck? Who cares? Um, you know, the whole point was to Excellent. become happy in moving. You know, I didn't sit in front of a exercise machine. I mean, I got out and went dancing. Go dancing. Find activities oh, that are fun for you. She's now a role model for her own children. Of okay, course. let's go to the gym and we'll sit in the steam room and talk. Uh, my 10-year-old is like, Mommy, I ordered a salad. Aren't you proud of me? So the next generation is going to be much more educated. This Boy, is the creepiest thing I was just going to say, what a delusional family this is. I ate salad with my child. <laughs> I started out fat. I mean, what an uncomfortable afternoon that would be. Let's go get naked in the steam room with Mommy and talk. I mean, And eat like wilting salads in the steam room. <laughs> Let's go nude up in the sauna with our mother and her huge teeth. That's why we was like, stop, stop. you <laughs> There's no, there's no circumstance in which that soundbite can't be used. No, it's true. Here's Tim Riley. More than 10,000 American Idol hopefuls came out to American Idol's visit to sunny Miami, Florida. There was a surprising array of guests, and some of these people just did not have the right stuff. Right now. Ugh. Um, cheap drink. Wait, didn't we play this last week? Um, oh, it heat on the horn. I'm sorry, man. I... Um, then it goes, but I'm going to skip the rest of that verse, and then I'm going to go into the next verse where it goes, um, You might have a little trouble for the next girl, and I am 
Why are you doing this? That's why we was like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was all worth it to get to that. I think we played that uh, that American Idol thing like a week ago or well, two weeks ago. Well, it to us every week. It's like one of those great stories that surveillance cameras are everywhere. The, really, the best part, though, is is that guy who's singing that Right Now song by Carrie Underwood, and how at one point he sings. I know. And then at one point, though, he sings I Hit a Whore, which is really, like, it, like that's what his brain comes up with for, for one of those lines. Genius. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Don't forget, coming up later on, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Uh, we'll talk a little Lost, a Britney fact from Sarah Dillon, and uh, we'll play an interview Am with that. Am I supposed to be writing the Britney fact, or can it just be off the top of my head? doesn't matter. If you know it, you know it. I know it. Uh, and uh, Dr. Drew from Celebrity Rehab. Here's Tim Riley. That sounds wonderful. Well, after ordering your pizza for the big game on Sunday, you may be able to go online and track your pizza's progress. Is that uh, Pilgrim's Progress? I guess uh, Domino's yesterday unveiled a new technology called Pizza Tracker. It lets you track the pizza from the moment you place the order until it arrives from the store. Domino's claims that the online tracking system available at Domino's.com is accurate within 40 seconds. So people are going to be watching their computer instead of the big game? Is that what's going on here? And imagine how small your life is that you're sitting there staring at a computer screen <laughs> watching a crudely animated pizza make its way to your house. <laughs> that is America, though. <laughs> just sitting there just... <sighs> So hungry, just watching, watching like a little wacky animated, <laughs> watching a little pizza wind its way down the roads. The thing is, I would totally do it. Who am I kidding? And also, I think they said that unveiled that yesterday. Yes. Here's the thing: because Seamus, our listener Seamus in Colorado, ordered a pizza from Domino's in December. Maybe they were testing it in, in, in uh, Denver. And they're still tracking it? No, 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 because uh, because he sent us an email. And he's like, hey, I just ordered something from Domino's because they were the only people delivering in the snowstorm. And he's like, I had the greatest thing. I went to I went on the website, and I was able to see the pizza being delivered to my house. So it sounds like they might have tested it in Colorado, and then now they are rolling it out nationwide. Hmm. But the thing is, I almost want to – I don't really care for Domino's pizza, but I almost want to order one just so I can watch it online tonight, just to see how it works. Well, you know, my wife's not back until Saturday night. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe tonight it'll be an ex- big night in the Emerson household. I'm gonna watch my pizza. <laughs> I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch a pizza arrive. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you. If you're gonna watch the pizza, why don't you just watch Lost? Because like you're picking watching a pizza over watching Lost. <laughs> Not even <laughs> what personally hurts me. <laughs> Not even watching a real pizza. Watching a bad like gif of a a JPEG of a pizza move its way across Do my computer screen. Do we know what it screen. is? Do we know what it is that's moving across? I don't is know. Is it tracked by satellite? I, is it domin- is it I, Domino's.com? Well, it must be. It has Domino's. to be tracked by satellite. There must be a GPS in the car. I wonder if it's a car. That goes to some Skynet, you know, Cyberdyne Systems computer that then goes back. That's a weird question now that I think about it. How do they do that? It's GPS. But, I mean, how does... Okay, you say that, but what does that mean? It means that there's a tracking device in your car. I know what a GPS so is, if but i saying... if you eat the tracking device on the pizza, does that mean Domino's can follow you? I guess what I'm saying, Sarah, is how does the signal get from the car to my computer? Go. Well, maybe they put that... Well, if it's on your computer, there's you're on aerial. their website, so that must be the base for the... So the GPS the goes... Maybe it's in the meat. So they can follow it as it wends its way through my colon. <laughs> Wait, hold on. The pizza seems to be moving to the bathroom. Um, the uh, so so you can't watch the pizza tracker unless you order pizza. Well, that yes, they should totally let you just watch pizzas being delivered all over the town. Though I would completely watch that. 
I don't care if you think I'm a retard or not. I would totally watch that. Maybe they should. What are you doing tonight? Them? I'm sitting in front of my PC and watching pizzas going to strangers. Next, we're going to be watching the attractive Britney's laxative as it winds through her <laughs> rehab. Uh, it's like a sort of scary town of the lower intestine. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. How do you think this pizza tracker works exactly? Do you think they're doing like a uh, Garmin Nuvi in the pizza car, and then you like type in the the link to the Nuvi, and then it's tracking to your house, or do you think there's some sort of GPS toppings on the pizza, and then as you eat it, then these GPS toppings go all over the city, and then you can track, you know, all the. the are you now? Do you realize? Are you intentionally just recycling everything that the three of us in the room just said? I don't know. I, I shut off the radio and then I dialed. So okay, well, good for you. No, no, no. Okay. We did. We did ask this question. I asked how the pizza GPS tracking system works, and then Tim did speculate that the GPS was in the meat somehow, which would then allow you to watch it as it went through my duodenum. Yeah. Unless they do the, uh, you know how um, they've got the ottoman in the middle of the pizza to keep the box from. That is the best the invention thing. in the history of the world. That little Barbie right. table that goes yeah. in the middle of the pizza. Yeah. No. But where, what do we do without that thing? Well, what would happen is um, if you had a big pile of pizzas and then you sat on them, they would all collapse. But that will support the center of all of the pizzas, so you could sit on a stack of ten pizzas if you wanted. Why would you be sitting on a stack? Never mind. L I let me ask you this. Answer. Have you seen – no, but here's the, here's, the, here's the question for a billion dollars, sir. Cultural relevancy. Have you seen the Oreo pizza? Um – Oh, you know what? I saw. I haven't actually seen a Oreo pizza, but I did see the commercial where the, the, ad? the beard and the mustache. Yeah, the, where it's a pizza made out of crumbled Oreos uh, and then yeah, just covered in icing. I mean, yeah. it looks horrific, but it's like I almost want to order one just to sort of witness the horror firsthand. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's good stuff. All right. Um, have you seen the trailer to uh, the Is Night Rider on on Sunday? Oh, I saw the tail end of the trailer the other day, uh, but I'm not going to be watching that. F that. I'm 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 renouncing that. I'm uh, I'm a little disappointed that they went to a Ford product over a Chevrolet product. Well, the idea out. that they're using a Ford because it's a Mustang, right? Right. Well, it just, used to be a Firebird. Yeah, right? that, that doesn't hold any water with me. That's uh, that, that, that cuts very little ice with me. I'm I'm not going to be watching the, that Night Rider thing. I've well, decided to eschew that. When the advertisement came out, they were they were talking about you know all the different features of the car, and then it started to get really ridiculous. And I realized it wasn't an actual Ford commercial, and it was. You know, the Knight Rider For a show. moment, you oh. were really hoping it would be some sort of weird Cylon car you could purchase. Well, yeah, I was looking at that. It really, Battlestar Galactica on Channel 8. Sweet. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. I wanted to clear up that pizza thing. Yes. My first year bubble, but there's no GPS in the car. I heard another radio station talking about it this morning. What was the other radio station? Uh, Adam Carolla. Anyway, okay. uh... <laughs> They were saying that it just tracks it while it's at the store, while they're making it and as they're leaving. But outside, they don't really track it on the road coming to your place. Well, wait a minute. So what does that? But I don't know. What does that even mean then? So what? Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Because you're afraid they forgot your pizza. I guess I don't know. <laughs> so all of this is is a website that verifies that my order has been taken. More or less. So it doesn't actually. You can't actually watch the pizza being driven to your house. No, just it's, it's as long as it's in the store, they'll tell you the progress as it's being made, as it's being put in the oven, when it's done, being boxed up, and as it's leaving the door. And after that, you just kind of have to estimate when it's going to be there. Well, that, but then I'm no further ahead than I, I'm all angry about it. I'm no further ahead than I was before because because no one really. Here, let me ask, let me ask you this, and you know this is true. When you order a pizza or any food item, 
Do you sit at home wondering if it's been made yet or if it's been put in the box? No, you do not. You wonder, <laughs> is it on the way? That's the thing, right? Nobody, like, there's a reason why when you watch, uh, like, a do- like Domino's, I think, still does the 30-minute thing. When you, the tagline is, you've got 30 minutes. When you watch that and you order a pizza, they don't, that's why they focus on the, will be delivered in 30 minutes or less. They don't say, will be made in 12 minutes in the kitchen. <laughs> will be yeah, boxed up within be. nine minutes. The delivery is what they focus on. So I, it's completely misleading and a little disheartening, actually, to learn that I can't actually watch the pizza being delivered. There goes my whole Thursday night. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I had to clear it up for you guys. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, Rick. Well, I'm I'm still thinking that they've got like a handheld GPS or something that's probably in that little zipper box that they carry the pizzas in. Now, that woman says no. She says that's not the case at all, that all they do is it's a website that verifies that your order has been made, which is, okay, well, which is not nearly as interesting. She's been on it. I haven't. The other thing is, is yesterday you were talking about things that are going to come back uh, during Sarah Dillon's uh, life here, you know, on Earth. The Noid. I think yes. the Domino's will bring that back eventually. Oh, totally. Sarah's probably too young to remember the Noid. Do you remember the Noid? This is the thing with the big nose. Uh, he was like a weird little, uh, like, super yeah, villain. Yeah, he had a big nose. Costume, <laughs> big red ears. and he was... I kind of remember. I think the Noid created soggy pizza. I think that's the deal. I think the yeah. Noid sogified your pizza, and Domino's whole thing was that the pizza was still crisp when you got it. So. Uh, yeah, avoid the Noid. Exactly. Thank you, sir. All right. One more, and then Sarah's insisting that we take a break because I believe she has to use the bathroom. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Facility. Show. Oh, well, I've just been listening on the phone, and I think what I'm about to say is uh, somewhat of a moot point. But uh, Well, can t- say it anyway. You'd have valuable airtime with it. All right. Well, <laughs> um, uh, back in the day, just a couple years ago, when food GPS just started becoming more affordable, I had some buddies that worked for a lumber company. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the company, I think over the weekend, had installed like uh, GPS tracking units inside of the vehicles uh, without the driver's knowledge. Sure. And um, I think like in that the week after that, uh, so many of the drivers got busted because, you know, in addition to doing their deliveries, they would, uh, you know, go to their house, go to the bar, right. go here, go there. Um, but, uh, you know, initially I was just thinking that they probably installed some sort of GPS. Well, they, I know that there was, you know, a little bit of an, a ruckus a few years ago when they started doing that with like long haul drivers, like you know, guy in a freight liner, and they would stick a GPS in there to, you know, just see if he was sleeping too long at the rest stop, or if he was, you know, whatever, you know, if he, if he was uh, speeding to make it to, to make the delivery on time. But yeah. I think that's just standard issue now with a lot of like anytime you're driving a truck for somebody else. Yeah, and um, oh, one question I have. Uh, yeah. Did you get that Stairways to Heaven CD? I did. Is that that you are the guy who dropped that off? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Thank you very much. So you can uh, pick that up from Dave Zinn uh, tomorrow morning if you'd like. Okay. Uh, did you, uh, my favorite is the Doors. No, I've, yes, I've, uh, I'm gonna, it's in my CD player upstairs right now, and I'm going to be listening to it okay. for the show. Pay All close right. attention to that one. Thank you, sir. And, and one more thing. Okay. Um, Sarah has to use the bathroom, so make this question in five parts. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ocean Pacific. That's things that are going to be uh, you know, reintroduced, because Sarah and I are somewhat close in, uh, close in age, so we kind of you know, grew up. Oh, Ocean Pacific clothing. I think we're talking about Lost oh, for a o- second. OP. OP yeah, clothing. OP. There's some everywhere. There's some bad high school photographs of me wearing OP clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys have fun. Thank you. Right, bye. Bye. All right. What do you buy OP clothing, and no. where did you? I never heard of it before. Uh, yeah, not a West Coast thing. Yeah, it was a West Coast thing, but it wasn't really a big thing where I lived either. Uh, but uh, I know what it was. In Candewick, it was uh, all the rage. Uh, it was. Uh, I remember PCH clothing. Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, well, you know, there was a whole thing in like I would say from about '87 to maybe. 92, 
where surf clothing was really big. There was, and there were all of these companies that that it popped up uh, that it marketed all this surfwear, and they all had uh, the same kind of shtick. The shtick was that to pretend that they had been around forever. And that they were somehow like really like legitimate like long-standing like back-in-the-day surf companies. So they were supposed to be like Kennewick surfers. Ex well, even in Kennewick, Tim, we aspired to have culture. We failed, but we aspired uh, real quickly, and then we'll break so Sarah can use the bathroom. Can you stop saying that, please? What? Can you just say so we can break so Sarah can go get some coffee? Can we just make that the new thing so you can stop saying repeatedly Sarah needs to use the bathroom? It sounds gross, and nobody needs to know that. I'm just gonna, I need to get some coffee. We're going to take a break now. We'll be back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. More on the way. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Dr. Drew. And other tales of comedy. Stay there. Emerson Radio Program. Rick, doesn't Mitt Romney look like Bill Lumberg from Office Space? He does have more energy, almost maniacally so. Just speculating, Nick. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer coming up here in a few. We'll play our interview with uh, Dr. Drew from Celebrity Rehab and so forth. It's 503 733 Uh Let's see, who are these? Hi, uh... you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How are we doing today? What's up? Hey, uh, Domino's does not do the 30 minutes or less deal anymore. Well, they don't do the... Well, now, wait a minute. I saw an ad for them just the other day, and it said the tagline was, you've got 30 minutes. Now, I called them up, and, and I asked them one night if they uh, still do the deal, and they said no. And I'm assuming because teenage kids... Well, they don't you know, do the... It's would, would free. ...would walk away and then throw bricks through the windshield to the driver. I'm looking, only the, I'm looking at their legal stuff right now. It says... Because safety is a priority, you've got 30 minutes, in quotations, is not a guarantee but an estimate. Yeah, they don't do – the, the thing is, and this is – they used to do the thing of they guaranteed it in 30 minutes. But then there was this famous episode of, I think, 2020 or something. It was Geraldo was hosting it, where they tailed a Domino's pizza guy who was, like, blowing every red light, screaming through every stop sign, endangering the passersby, desperately trying to get the 30-minute thing done. Uh, so I think that, yeah, they have now, and then, so then it stopped being free, then it was like $5 off, then it was half price or something, and I think now it's just like, they kind of go, well, sorry. You know, so, I, yeah, I don't think it's a guarantee anymore, though, certainly. It's yep. a shame. All right, well, what can you do, sir? <laughs> have a good day. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, how you doing? What's up? I've got, I won't suck up a lot of your time, I promise. I've got three things that are going to make a comeback. Okay. Gotcha clothing. Gotcha. I, that was the other one. Yeah. I think we're due for a Faith No More re reunion. Yes. And I think we're also due for a remake of Smokey and the Bandit. No, I'm surprised a Smokey and the Bandit remake with, of course, Will Ferrell. Or Jessica Simpson. Uh, of course. Yeah. I mean, the, the gotcha clothing. Faith No More, first of all. Yes. I. Rick Emerson votes yes on that. That should happen now. I vote um, yes twice. It won't happen, though, because Mike Patton doesn't need those guys. He's just so successful, and he's got so many side projects that are, that are you know, huge. He doesn't need those guys. Um, and also, uh, the gotcha clothing. I was going to do a quick list of clothing companies that competed with OP when the, the surf clothing craze happened. It was gotcha, OP. The TNC Surf Company. Um, no TNC, good one. TNC. There was the uh, Jesus. Uh, there was one more, and I can't remember. Bugle what Boy. It, Bugle Boy. There was Bugle Boy. Yeah, yeah, good one. 
Remember uh, Gotcha had that little and troll, Hobie. little troll turtle guy. No, the Gotcha he was a he was a fish. Uh, the oh, gotcha, was that it? He was a fish with legs. It was weird. He was like this fish that stood upright and his and his whatever mouth or beak or whatever pointed straight up. Yeah, and then Hobie yeah. clothing. That was the other one. Hobie. All right. Hey, wasn't David Hasselhoff's son in Baywatch named Hobie? Sure was. Yes, he was. <laughs> a little reference there. All right, thank Please. you, sir. Bye. Bye. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Okay, truck drivers, you can't go to California from Oregon right now. I-5 is closed at the border. It is closed at Ashland and northbound in Eureka, California. So that's a huge stretch of road all due to this whiteout. I-84 is closed between Pendleton and Ontario due to high winds, blowing snow, and wet out conditions. Highway 20 closed at mile post 95 to mile post 80 due to snow slides and avalanches. And investigators in Clackamas County asking for your help to find a 24-year-old woman wanted for stealing a vehicle from the Harmony Inn Tavern parking lot on Southeast 82nd. Sounds like a fine place to die. Uh, Megan Guthrie is suspected of stealing a jacket and car keys from the victim Cheryl Stevens. Uh, as Stevens searched the parking lot for a lost item, she noticed Guthrie leaving with her car. And she was nearly run over by trying to stop it. The car was found abandoned and engulfed in flames <laughs> along I-205 Excellent. southbound near Stark Street. You know... Only the high spots. <laughs> so uh, the uh, the search continues to Megan Guthrie. She is a white female, five foot, uh, six, Ugh. 130 pounds. And uh, let's see, she has outstanding warrants. Well in, uh, done. County. These are outstanding for, for warrants. Weapons and you name it. Uh, reckless driving and unauthorized use of a motiv- criminal mischief. Uh, investigators are also looking for 22-year-old Julian Avia. He's a person of interest. He's five foot four, 150 pounds, dark hair and eyes. So uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with 82nd, Tim. I've had some fantastic and interesting experiences on 82nd. You can go to the Harmony Inn. Uh huh. And that's where this all began. No. And by uh huh, I mean no. Nor did I go to the Real Inn Tavern. Uh, all right, it's five zero three seven three three two. 970. Real Inn has great JoJo's. Do they? They really do. I've only gone there once, and I had the, like a plate of nachos or something that tasted as though it had been stored on the floor underneath the refrigerator for three or four weeks. That sounds uh, delicious. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the National Enquirer, Dorothy Carcassari. Hello, Dorothy. How are you today? I am great. How are you? I am fantastic. Before we move any further in this conversation, let me ask you this. Um, do you have a song that you would prefer to be your introductory music uh, for your ongoing appearances on this program? Sounds like fun. I might have to give that a little bit of thought. All right. You think on that. Uh, th- 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 my only stipulation is because it's already being used by a similar program in this building, we probably cannot use Don Henley's Dirty Laundry. Other than that, it's all oh. you. Gosh, you took my song right uh, away I'm from just me. Saying, I, 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 I would do that, except that we have this a program, a good friend of ours, that they, do some, they do a program right here in this building, and they use Dirty Laundry for a sort of gossip segment. So I, I don't want to step on their toes, as it were. But be thinking okay. on it. The field is wide open. It's whatever you decide. All right. Oh, fun. I will brainstorm. All right, so I don't even know where to begin today. All right, uh, Britney Spears. Now, uh, it is being reported by uh, by some sources. I think maybe the New York Post is. Is this the page six, Tim? Uh, the, the Britney Spears is. Uh, she's going to be detoxing or rehabbing or something or other. So, uh, what what do we know and when did we know it? Okay, so basically, you know that Britney has been in this downward spiral for some time now, and. She was taken to UCLA Medical Center, and she's going to be held there basically under the treatment of a psychiatrist. And, you know, she's going to be uh, examined, and they're, they're going to check her out. They're going to, 
you know, figure out what's, what's been going on with her, what, what are the causes for, for all these problems, why is she acting out like she is, why is she uh, causing harm to herself, and basically this is their way to stop her in her tracks before something really, really horrible happens, like, you know, something along the lines of Heath Ledger or something like that. So now is this, is this an involuntary thing that they have to get the, the cops or a court order or something? Well, the reports right now are, um, they're kind of varied on this. Uh, some, some reports are saying that this was something that she did voluntarily. Some reports are saying this is something that, you know, was, was out of her control and that she was kind of dragged in there. So we're, we're investigating this and, you know, we're going to be finding out more about it as, as time goes on. Uh, the, so the, the initial uh, story that I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, is that they, she's there, I guess, for, for, for three days or, or something, but it, it's all about how she cooperates, and if she doesn't cooperate or she refuses to take meds or something, then some sort of longer stay might automatically be, be kicked in. Right, and, and you know, the, the sad thing about this is that, you know, she's kind of at this point where she needs, so she needs uh, you know, powers outside of her to really step in and force her to really just take a good look at what's been going on with her behavior and, and her life and what's been going on in her mind and force her to slow down and, and really clean up her act. So we're hoping that she can be in here for as long as she needs to be. Okay, so we got this Sam Lufty guy, and I, and I, I don't know where we are with this now, but I, I know that there was some sort of discussion or battle or fight or whatever between him and Brittany's parents about who was going to sort of prescribe her medical treatment. And I, for at one point, I guess early this morning, it was thought that he somehow had, uh, whatever you call a power of attorney, or he had, he was somehow able to make medical decisions for her. Is that true? Do you know? No, I, I don't think that that's. I don't think that's the case. There definitely was some kind of a struggle going on, though, a power struggle between him and Brittany's parents, uh, because obviously, as her parents, they feel that they're the ones that get to make the decisions concerning any kind of medical treatment that she would need. Um, but, you know, it's, this is just one more example of how these people that are in Brittany's inner circle are just, you know, taking this, this power that's really not theirs and making these decisions for her and, and you know, being – I'm not saying that, that Sam Lefty's a bad influence by being involved in this because this is a good thing that now she's at UCLA. But, you know, a lot of these people have really done her more harm than good, and, and he can certainly be one of those people we can point to her at. Uh, and so uh, I guess it is saying – so the Inquirer, uh, I guess, is saying that it is a 24-hour meth binge she was on? Right. Uh, in our – in our new issue this week, we have sources telling us that Brittany has been addicted to crystal meth. She's been really struggling with this problem. It's one of the reasons why she ended up in that, uh, you know, kind of standoff with police a couple weeks back that you remember. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, crystal meth causes a, a lot of problems, nervousness, paranoia, uh, complete loss of judgment, hallucinations extremely bizarre behavior, which we know Brittany has been exhibiting. And uh, sources are telling us that, you know, the main reason that Brittany's resorted to this is because she just cannot handle her situation with her babies. Uh, you know, she's in, she's right now uh, locked up in this, you know, big custody battle, and uh, this is kind of a way that she's been escaping all of it. And, and it's really sad because it certainly causes people to just act out, and that's what she's been doing. So we've got uh, the Britney Spears uh, apparently hooked on crystal meth. On the other side of the Spears family, you've got Jamie Lynn, who 
What is it? She's, she, she bolted. She ran away from home. She's on the lam. She's doing something. Right. Well, now she's getting, you know, kind of fed up with, with the family and what's been going on. And now, now we're finding out from sources that she's, you know, jetting. She's running away from home because she wants to elope with her boyfriend. Uh, she wants to do a, a secret ceremony shortly after her 17th birthday in the beginning of April. So this family is dealing with a lot of things right now, and, and and it's sad. But at the same time, you know, if you remember, Lynn Spears was supposed to be writing this uh, book about parenting. Is that ever going to be leaked on the Internet? Are we ever going to get – I can't tell you how much money I would pay at this point to read a book on parenting by Britney's mom. I mean, uh, I, I know. I, I really would pay – this whole family is like one bad V.C. Andrews novel at this point. I mean, it really is – it really is pretty staggering. All right, uh, the new issue comes out uh, what, tomorrow? It comes out, what are we in today, Thursday? Yes, Thursday. So we'll have it tomorrow. Comes out tomorrow. All right, as always, uh, a pleasure. Thanks for uh, joining us. Think on the theme song. Let us know. We'll, uh, we'll hook I'm you up with whatever cool. you want. All right, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Thank you, Dorothy. Thanks. All right, there you go. Dorothy Carcassari for the Enquirer. I, uh, there was just so much to ask. And it, I, it wasn't even I was halfway through the call that I completely spaced on the fact that they're saying that she was hooked on meth. And not like... And there was we we talked about that before, and somebody called up and said that it was like pharmaceutical amphetamines and nothing. But this is apparently like the crystal meth, which is like the bad kind of meth. So Jesus, and I'm looking at the front of the new Inquirer, um, and so there's two the two biggest stories of the Friday Inquirer are Brittany hooked on crystal meth, and then right next to that, Jamie Lynn runs away from home to elope. That is the <laughs> best family ever. I mean, really, where they, this, I thought that she was going to give up her baby. Well, I just don't know, Sarah. I. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a window into the mind of Jamie Lynn apparently. So I, mm. Jesus, yeah, the whole family is just completely nutballs. I mean, they're just so unbelievably crazy. So that would explain why Brittany is going through detox. I guess. Uh, yeah, it says right here the nationally. Uh, let's see. Let me, let me get the entire entire story here. Uh, so this is uh, breaking. This is an exclusive uh, from the uh, National Enquirer. Uh, it says, meth binge led to Britney hospitalization. Britney Spears had been on, wait for it, a 24-hour crystal meth binge before she was rushed to the hospital. The National Enquirer has learned exclusively. And again, they're not giving any nuance. They're just saying it's true, which means that it is. Um, ironically, she was trying to stay awake because she was terrified that if she fell asleep, her family would, wait for it, put her in a mental institution. <laughs> that is so great. Oh, I wish I'd known that sentence when I was talking to Dorothy. That's fantastic. That is so wonderful. I got to stay awake, y'all. If I if I fall asleep, they'll put me in a nut house. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you don't think I should be laughing, you should find something else to listen to. Um, that is so great. Well, now she's in the hands of the greatest minds of medicine. Uh huh. Waiting for the squirrels to toss her down into the incinerator. It's at the sneak pit. <laughs> the drama began at 2 a.m. Wednesday when Brittany and Sam Lufty checked into the Beverly Hills Hotel and she began doing meth. Jesus. I know that I've said this a lot on the show, but we were talking about that guy earlier about heroin and then that guy before him about cocaine, so it's all drugs and suicide today. Uh, the thing I wanted to ask Dorothy, but I, I didn't have a chance, there's just so much to get to, is that I'm not going to say that I... I mean, how do I put this? In the whole pantheon of drugs... I don't understand. I can understand why people decide to do certain drugs. I'm not saying you should, but I can understand what motivates. I've talked before. There's certain drugs that sound fantastic. I'm a big pussy, so I'm not going to do them, but they sound wonderful. Crystal meth doesn't sound wonderful. Crystal meth just sounds horrible. I mean, I think, and the people, and not like I know a lot of people who've done meth, 
But the, but the people I know who have done meth are almost exclusively, I mean, almost without exception, uh, they are a uh, poor, or and or b have to work all the time at a job where you have to stay awake. Uh, the, the one guy I knew who had a really bad crystal meth problem was a guy who worked at a lumber mill, and his whole thing was like, I work these sixteen-hour shifts where if I fall asleep, I'm going to fall into a wood chipper. And so that was his whole thing. Is he he you know just did meth because he felt he had to be awake. And as as Jim Goad once said, you take crystal meth and damn it, the work gets done. So it just uh, crystal meth doesn't seem like a recreational drug, and frankly, it doesn't sound like a drug that eases your stress. Valium eases your stress. Heroin, I think, eases your stress. Uh, cocaine makes you feel confident or makes you feel whatever. The crystal meth seems like it would just fill you with like pointy things and spiders. I mean, it just seems bad. I can't imagine what would be going on in your life other than, I, I don't know, I, well, I guess if her whole thing is she had to stay awake, but isn't that what cocaine's for? It's not like she can't afford it. All right, well, anyway, uh, in addition to her mental problems, the Inquirer has learned that Brittany is addicted to crystal meth and uh, details her addiction in a front-page story this week. Meanwhile, her meth habit played a key role in her recent hospitalization. Her drug-taking went on all day, interrupted only by brief dashes to her home. Ah, uh, blah, blah, blah. The doctor came over, and Brittany was spacey. She was eerily quiet. When they called her name, she didn't look at them. It was like she was deaf. Uh, then a psychiatrist came over, and they uh, they put her in the booby. Well, maybe she has a hearing problem. I, I mean, at this point, I don't even... I really don't know. Ugh, Jesus was afraid if she fell asleep, they'd put her in a mental home. That that's, is, that's it's the so phrase good. The it's wonderful. I thought um, of the one Tim had we'll, earlier. We'll do some more news here in a second. Sarah, do you want to give us a brief recap and overview of who these people are? I the Britney try. Story? I mean, ask me. Ask me who Who's you... Sam Lufty? All right, he's some random dude that I guess has produced some, like, D-list movies over the years who came into her life about six months ago. He started just following her around everywhere, driving her places, being by her side all the time, handling her finances. Nobody knows, that's the weird thing about it. nobody knows exactly where he came from or why he's there. He's just always there, he always running around. He appeared as m most of the people in Britney's life disappeared. Right. So he just kind of came out of nowhere. Okay. Who is Adanda? Uh, uh, Adnan or whatever. Whatever that guy's name, Adnan. Right, so he's a paparazzi dude that for the past two years has been following Britney Spears and making money off of off of her images. So he's one of that flock of like 35, See the, the 40 guy paparazzi. who's married? And he's been hiding his secret first wife. Oh, yeah, I just saw he that. He married some California chick in 2001. The first marriage lasted a total of 85 days. The gal's parents didn't even know they were wed. He's from Birmingham, England, currently divorcing his second wife after watching his very public romance with Spears. All right. Okay. So his wife, so he's still married to his second wife. I guess she filed for divorce. He but... could be deported. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, so one day she was out, like, driving around. She pulled up to the, she, you know, pulled over to the side of the road and parked there. It was a swarm of paparazzi. She told him that she thought he was kind of cute and he should get in the car. And so he got in the car, drove away. They went to a hotel, um... They hung out for a while, blah, blah, blah. Um, then it led to New Year's Eve where they went to a hotel and spent like six hours in a hotel together on New Year's Eve. And then after that, they were photographed holding hands, hanging out all the time. Excellent. I think those were the two big question marks I had. And as Tim noted, you know, the thing with TMZ is it is now no longer possible to live without it. I mean, really, you just sit there. It's like methamphetamine <laughs> it's exactly. of the entertainment industry. <laughs> that's, that's how they should market it's like, themselves. It's like crystal methylene or whatever just, it is. Uh, just sitting there just obsessively hitting refresh. On, uh, I wonder if I can hook TMZ up to where it'll it'll uh, send me a text in message. In your arms, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Directly to my liver. Um, 
Now, it's like one of those, you know, receive TMZ on your BlackBerry. Or now mm-hmm. receive TMZ directly into your heart. Um, you can get TMZ updates in your email. Really? Is that your, what I... Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that means I can get it on my BlackBerry. Yeah. Oh, I'm such a nerd. I'm totally going to do that today. I'm going to spend however long it takes immediately after the program. Why not try it today? Having TMZ sent directly into my BlackBerry. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. Well, that answers my questions there. Somebody's noting that we ought to order a pizza on the air. Richie tried it. From Domino's. Well, what do you mean he tried it? Well, he said they, they didn't have the uh, machine yet. Really? Oh, hold on. Well, let's find out. Let's. Oh, I'm sorry. This is uh... Sex Panther oh, Richie. by Odia. You know, somebody asked me to change the Richie sounder the other day because they said, and I'm quoting, I hate uh, Randy Newman. But I don't think that's Randy Newman. I don't think we've ever figured out. It kind of sounds like Randy Newman, but almost but almost like a guy who's doing a bad parody of Randy Newman. I'm not even really sure. All right. Uh, hello, Richie. Hello. How, how are you today? Good. You're better because your hair is, has been carefully crafted today. Mm-hmm. I got a haircut. All right. Um, so did you call Domino's? Yes, I did. What, what, did, the, what did they say? Well, I went online to see what their tracking thing was about. Right. There's nowhere close that we could order online. you got to pick it up if you order online. So I called the one near us, and they said they had no clue. They were asking. So they didn't even know what you were talking about? No. I mean, because I, I don't think it's a thing of ordering online. I think you order over the phone, but then you can go online and track the delivery. And then I went and looked at other Domino's because I'm trying to find one that right. could actually do it, and I haven't been able to find one. So I what? There's one in Colorado. So what? We should see how long it takes to get here. Um, we, uh, if I was really rich, if I had a lot of disposable income, I would do that. I would, I would call Domino's and demand that they send a guy like on the road from Colorado to send it here so we can watch it online. So what did you ask them? I asked them about this tracking thing. And, and they was, did, were they completely oblivious? Yeah, he was like, "What? This is the first time I've ever heard of it." Well, it's good to know that the word is spreading down from corporate to uh, to the, the low-level employees. Well, that's really disappointing. I wanted to order it on the air, and then everybody could watch it. This productivity around Portland could uh, <laughs> slow to a crawl. I think that you can only watch your own personal pizza because it said you had to register. So I have to register at their website to watch my pizza being delivered? Yes. I really think they're missing out here on being able to log on and just being watch, watching pizzas delivered all over the, the city. Although I guess maybe they don't want to uh, betray the fact that maybe at certain points no one is ordering their pizza. So... Well, that's depressing. Well, <laughs> yes, it's so depressing. That ruins my whole two o'clock hour bit. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, we can find something else to order online and see if we can track it. No, it's not the same. It's just a cheap. It has method. to be pizza. That would just be a method. That would just be methadone to the uh, to the heroin that is the Domino's pizza delivery system. All right. Well, thank you, Richie. Okay. All right. Thanks for trying. Thanks for trying, Richie. We appreciate it. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, I uh, have a funny story to tell about uh, Domino's Pizza. Okay. Uh, there was a Domino's Pizza up on Capitol Highway, southwest Portland. Uh, my brother and I grew up on southwest 23rd and Taylor's Ferry. Right. Well, for some bizarre reason, uh, you know, the city planners decided that they were going to just, you know, randomly generate all the street numbers uh, off of Taylor's Ferry. So coming from Domino's, it would go 26, 24, 25, 21, 23, and then 19 through <laughs> That's 19. hilarious. It was in nothing nothing remotely resembling numerological order. Well, right. And it's like, I guess the big in thing back then was dead-end dirt roads. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, you know, we'd be kind of hanging around the house on a Friday night, and uh, the parents had escaped to the house. And I'd say, you got any? And he'd say, no. And I said, well, I don't have any money either. Let's call Domino's. 
and they would drive in circles for hours <laughs> looking for Southwest 23rd. And what would happen is they'd come down the down the road, hit 26, 24, 25, and right. They get to 21, which is now before 23, <laughs> and they say, well, it, it's obviously missing. <laughs> and so, then so you would just be able to then get it for free because you'd call, where's my pizza? Well, exactly. It's like, you know, we're starving here. Uh, we're children. <laughs> and, you know, meanwhile, my brother's turning pale. Well, exactly, and the driver is calling from 7-Eleven going, we can't find you. <laughs> I get that sometimes, actually, where I live, strangely enough. They won't be able to find it. And they always, and I always get the guy who has a really thick accent calling me. He's like, get out of the house. And I'm, and then I, yeah, yeah, so that's fantastic, and then you would totally just uh, get to get the food for free. Yeah, exactly. Way to work the system. Well, it was probably my brother and I that ended up changing the system. You know, that, that's, our, uh, that's our contribution to mankind. Excellent. Well, you know what? Lo loopholes exist to be exploited, sir. Well, exactly. All right, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Wonderful. Uh, I've got two more. And I'll see now. It's going to become one of those days where people... Carla asked, do you remember Kensington shirts? Let's see now. I was going to say, now it's going to be... this. Is, I guess it is High Concept Thursday. I but think it, Montgomery Ward sold those. Is Montgomery Ward still around? No, they went out of business a few years ago. Were they absorbed by a larger company or are they just gone? They put Target stores in most of those old stores. Montgomery Ward. Yeah. Boy, it just sounds old. Even when I was a kid, Montgomery Ward seemed like an old company. It just it felt really old. Uh, no, usually we do a high-concept Thursday segment where we do like 12 minutes of high-concept. Now it's just being scattered throughout the day because I'm getting calls at like this one. Rick, what about Body Glove? God, Body Glove is the worst. This is the worst-looking stuff. Suit? Yeah, it was like a neoprene suit. Uh, like uh, Corey Glover from uh, Living Color wore one of the Cult of Personality video, and it was the symbol was a big hand. It was like a big, uh, it was a big digitized hand. Uh, let's discuss this. What about local motion? I totally forgot about mm -hmm. local motion. Yeah. God, fashion was bad in the eighties, eighties into the early nineties. Just terrible. I don't. It's weird that, that like when things like surf clothing, that trend happens because you do wonder if somebody's sitting in a room if it's like that uh, thing in the Devil Wears Prada. Where there's like somebody sitting in an office in New York somewhere deciding what I and Kennewick am going to be wearing the next year. You know, here's what moronic 16-year-olds in Washington will wear next year. It will all be surf clothing. Like somebody just made that decision somehow. Uh, all right. Let me see. Uh, well, let me read this, and then we'll uh, take a break. And the next hour, here's what we'll do. Uh, we'll have uh, more news from Tim Riley. We'll have the Dr. Drew interview, and then we'll read a thing about Lost so that Sarah can be irate. Can't wait to hear the Dr. Drew interview. Yeah. Ooh, it's, and, uh, I don't want to oversell the Dr. Drew thing. It's, I'm half asleep during the interview, and no, it's like it's seven minutes No, I just want to hear his voice. Yeah. You're just chatting. Um, We're going to listen to you. You know, okay, here's the thing about Dr. Drew. I was doing the interview with him, and I, I, I was kind of distracted by the fact that I couldn't figure out who he sounds like. And you know who it is? Who? Peter Carlin. He sounds oh, he sounds just like Peter Carlin when he talks to me. And it's that same sort of like, like, you know, and I'm not trying to knock Dr. Drew, but you know that, you know, how these interviews go. He, you know, I'm just, I'm sandwiched between 15 other interviews. And I'm sure he thinks that I'm just some radio jackhole. So, you know, and he's got that. And But the interview does start off, though, with him giving me a laugh and a, that's very funny, that I clearly haven't earned and don't deserve. But at the end of the interviews, I said, I did make him laugh once at the end. So we will play that next. Uh, this this is an interesting email, Rick. I'm sure you've heard this story because people were there were uh, because people that were there still work for the station. But anyway, in 1995 or so, on April 1st, the evening DJ on KNRK went nuts and was drunk, swearing on the air, played the same song over and over again for several hours. 
He says, I came home from work around 6.30, ended up listening all evening. At first, I thought it was some kind of April Fool's Day thing, but the DJ kept swearing over and over again. I'm sorry, I can't remember the song or the DJ's name. I have trouble remembering it because I started drinking beer to enhance the listening experience. I even called in so I could say the F word over the air. It was wonderful. I kept telling my wife that this kind of thing only happened once in a lifetime. I remember thinking, why haven't they broken into the studio or turned the transmitter off? It went on for several hours. Sorry for the delay. I listened to the podcast two days later. Love the show. Hi to everybody. Andy. Hi, Andy. Do you remember? Does it, uh, well, no, 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 I remember I mean, one DJ. Remember Raisin? Yeah. But that he was more once. But that was like a couple years back. Yeah, that was a few years ago. And that was late at night. This and I wasn't here in '95. In '95, I was still living in Utah. Oh, this was '95. '95. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you said a few years ago. No, no, no. This was no, I wasn't that here then. Matter. No, that's I was in, still in California. None of us would have been here. Yeah. Uh, I bet Mike, Mike Chase, if you're out there, you'll know. Mike Chase will totally know. I bet he's listening. Way. Yeah, probably. He probably well, everyone is. Everyone at listening. So um, there, no. Somebody at Intercom, call us and tell us who went crazy on the air at KNRK in 1985 and was drunk and letting callers say the F word and, sc- and screaming profanities. You know the phone's empty right now. You might, might as well make a call. <laughs> yes. Our, unfortunately, our phone lines are full. So, uh, well, let's get rid of some of these. Not rid of. Let's. Let's listen to and appreciate some of these calls. Mm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. It's you. I don't think there's anyone there. No. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Do you remember the the gotcha shirts, Rick? No, somebody was talking about it earlier with the fish guy, the weird fish logo thing. Yeah, they had all kinds of weird stuff. You know, the guy that ran the scam on um, on Domino's, yes, I used sir. to do the same thing to Cosmo.com. Do you remember that place? Cosmo.com. There's a fascinating documentary about Cosmo.com uh, called, uh, Jesus, what is it called? It's not Startup.com. It's, oh, it escapes me. There's a fascinating documentary about the rise and fall of Cosmo.com that you really ought to watch. It is really, really great. Does it reference a guy in Portland who got free movies and ice cream for like two years? No, is that guy somehow related to you by being you? <laughs> yes, that's me. I got... Uh, Pleased to tell. They, they had these coupons, these online coupons that never expired. And all you had to do was buy $5 worth of stuff, and they'd bring you a free movie and, and free ice cream. Right. So I would have them deliver cigarettes to my house for less than... And then <laughs> you would get and, and then you'd get the free ice cream or free movie with it. Cosmo, yeah. I'm surprised. Sarah, you remember Cosmo.com. I don't think I do. You were like 20. I mean, this isn't like ancient history. This is like just a few years ago. Cosmo.com is one of the great failed Internet companies. Uh, and Cosmo.com was basically a convenience store that would deliver to your house. You would go online. It was an Imagine an online 7-Eleven. Imagine if you could go to a website and see everything that a 7-Eleven stocked. And then you would go online 24 hours and you'd say, hmm, Ben and Jerry, you know, I'm Stone. Hmm, Ben and Jerry, some cigarettes and a copy of Playboy. Click. 20 minutes later, a bike messenger would arrive at your house day or night with the stuff you ordered. And it, was, it, was, it, was, it was fantastic. It was just completely unsustainable in an economic sense. There's a whole documentary about the rise and fall of Cosmo.com. They were huge in Portland. It is actually to my um, – I am really sad about the fact that I had a Cosmo shirt at one point and got rid of it because that stuff's really hard to find now. It's like on eBay, but it's expensive. It was a great company. I really, really, really was sad when Cosmo went out of business. I think I still have. They gave away the little hospital socks for Yeah, long. yeah, they did. A friend of mine has a Cosmo <laughs> messenger bag, which I'm really jealous of, actually. So, yeah, I'll look it up. I'll find out what it's called. But there's a great, a great documentary about Cosmo.com that you should uh, that you should watch. I'll watch it. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it was great. It was it was literally an online 7-Eleven, and they would send a bike messenger, and he would deliver it to your house day or night. 
And so I hate to say that it was all for stoners, but I mean, if you were up and you're like, I need pizza rolls and a candy bar and a National Enquirer, go to Cosmo.com, click, credit card, pay, guy appears at your house 20 minutes later on a bike with your stuff. It was That's so cool. It was the best thing ever. It was great. But it's like, but it was just impossible to make any money. There was just no way to make any money at all. Uh, and so they just, they completely, they went on a business after like two years. Yeah, I can't find the documentary. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. I was talking about body gloves. Yes. They're still around. No, well, I think it's still around, but I mean, it's 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 not really. I mean, I can't imagine that it's uh, that it's really worn by anybody except. It's like all of those things. It's gone back to now only being worn by the people who wore it in the first place, which are actual surfers. And you want to know what it's also worn by? Yes. My Motorola Q. Is that true? Do they? Uh, they does they body glove they make? That makes a lot of sense actually, because it is sort of a similar idea. And it, it's awesome. It's, it's all foamy, and so when I drop it, nothing happens. Excellent. Hey, you know, remind me. Hold on, I'm gonna make a little note to myself here. Hold on, BlackBerry cover. Yeah, I got a whole thing to talk about with my BlackBerry at some point that we don't have time for today. All right, thank you, sir. Yep. Bye. Uh, I'm looking here. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of the documentary because if I don't, I'll forget about it. If I don't talk about it right now, here we go. E Dreams. Terrible name for a documentary. E hyphen Dreams. It is called E Dreams: The Rise and Fall of Cosmo.com. Uh, much better, in my opinion, than Startup.com, which is sort of a similar documentary about a game, uh, you know, startup that failed. Um, but uh, it's it's a pretty great documentary. You ought to watch it. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, I grew up in Santa Cruz, and I'm not sure where you grew up in Kennewick, how cutting edge the fashions were, but uh, how about uh, yeah. Quicksilver? Quicksilver. And yeah. Rusty. Q-U-I-K and Rusty, too. Rusty. And Mossimo. Mossimo is what? Billabong. 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 What the hell does that oh, even oh. mean? <laughs> it's like a, it's word, a place in uh, Australia. I think it, it has something to do with the waves. I forgot all about Billabong until you said Massimo, and it all kind of came back at once. Bum equipment we Man, mentioned yesterday. How about this? Here's a blast from past. Motto Red Dot Shirts. Sarah? No, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that it, is. They were high fashion type shirts, but they would have one of the buttons was red. Like, you mean it was like a button-down shirt, but one of the buttons was red? One of the buttons was red. That was their thing. The other thing was that uh, I went to high school. I think I'm about the same age as you. I think maybe I think you're three months older than me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I went, when I went to school in the 90s, we had the uh, matching sort of splash color suits where you had the jacket and the pants that Velcroed. <laughs> Uh, no, it's I. It, that, that, now I'm just thinking about that story I read a while back about a kid who was wearing a billabong shirt and, of course, was suspended because I thought it was a reference to the drugs. The bong, so, yeah, bong. I remember ta I had tapered pants with buckles on the sides. Yeah, we <laughs> were all about. It was all about fashion in the nineties. Seriously, right? I gotta lay down in the bed to put these pants on. Honestly, thank God for grunge. No, now well, I can wear jeans again. At least in the fashion sense, grunge did us all a favor. I will admit that. In terms of in terms of fashion, men's fashion especially, grunge really was a. It really did help because otherwise I would still be wearing tapered acid wash. Absolutely, right. best show ever. Thank you. Bye now. Well, we might as well just continue here. We can't take a break now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi. Unless you need to get some coffee, Sarah. No, I'm good. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi. Hey. Um, I just wanted to let you know about the origin of the Noid. Let me ask you this. What is your name? Roxy. Is that a truncation of a name, or is that, like, the full name? My name is Roxy, R-O-X-I-E. Not that... Roxanne, not anything else, just Roxy. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just asking, is that what it says on your birth certificate? Yes. R-O-X-I-E. That is really cool. No, I. the only reason I ask is because, you know, you, you hear that and you always assume that's a nickname somebody's been given or something. So, uh, excellent. Okay, what were you? what are you calling about? The Noid. The Noid, yes. 
Yes. Um, from what I know, the uh, Domino's Pizza was the first people to deliver, or the first pizza delivery, or the first pizza place to deliver, and um, the person who came up with the advertising for the for the Noid, I guess, was a cocaine addict, and get it, avoid the Noid, call Domino's. You know, if you're paranoid, you don't want to leave your house, call Domino's, they'll deliver. Please tell me that. Okay. Well, first of all, what? And then secondly, where did you hear this? Um, actually, when I was a kid, they came around my house and asked me to hand out these flyers for the Noid when, I, for, when the Noid Let's first be clear, by the way, that in no way are we saying that Domino's is run by cocaine addicts. <laughs> <laughs> and she's gone. That that's sounds strange. like a thing that's not true. Yeah. Uh, now, the Noid was great, man. I really do think that they'll bring the Noid back at some point. Domino's is a fascinating story. Uh, I really do admire Domino's as a company. There's a show called, uh, God, what is it called? Oh, it's escaping me now. There is it is um it's a program on the Food Network. Another one of those programs for guys on the Food Network. And it's all about industries in which there are two companies who compete for the for you know for for the consumer dollar. For example, there's one about chocolate and it's all about the battle between Mars and Hershey. Mm-hmm. There's another one that's all about the battle between like God, it's all about the battle between like Ben and Jerry's and Baskin Robbins or something. And then there's one all about pizza. And Domino's is is one of the companies they focus on. And <coughs> Domino's, the, how's this uh, for regret? Domino's is started by two brothers uh, and who are like 19 years old. They start Domino's. Eventually, one of the brothers becomes disillusioned, thinks it's never going to work, lets the other brother buy him out for like $1,000. <laughs> so I'm sick of this. This company's never going to work. You can have my share for $1,000. The other brother's like, fine, zang, buys it. And of course, you know the thousand dollars is now worth like a hundred and twenty skillion, you know, dollars. So it's it's a great story. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, I was actually listening uh, yesterday when you guys were talking about the Will It Blend stuff. Can I just interrupt for just one second? And the answer is yes, and I will. Let's just say this: at some point, and I, 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 we really do have to get this live stream rolling, and I have to nag the lawyers about this because. And I'm not trying to complain. This is actually really great. But because the podcast is, and I'm not trying to be all about the glory of us, but it is so immensely popular. I mean, I've seen the web stats that the podcast is is hugely popular. It really is. The people all over the world listen to it. But as a result, we often enter this thing where we're actually doing like three different shows at once. Today's show, yesterday's show for people in America, and then like two days ago for people in like Ireland who are listening somehow. <laughs> So it is kind of great and weird that we have this sort of three-dimensional program going all the time. Anyway, go ahead, sir. Well, I was I was clicking through there today at my desk because I was just bored, and I was watching all the all the Will It Blends, and they tried to blend Chuck Norris, <laughs> and I just thought you would think it was amazing. But I mean, and not, I won't tell you how it ends, but it's definitely something that you need to look at because it is just fantastic. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna put that on my to do during the next commercial break list. Will It yes. Blend, Chuck yes. Norris. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. We'll do these calls, and then we'll play the Dr. Drew interview. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick. Hi. Hey, San hey. Francisco riding gear. San Francisco riding is in horse riding? No, as in uh, when I was at the Beaverton Skate Center in my early teens in the late 70s, those were the pants to wear. Beaverton riding gear? San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. I'm sorry, you said Beaverton. I'm conflating the things in my head. Beaverton Skate Center. Beaverton Skate Center, San Francisco riding gear. It, this must be like during the Angel Flight pants era. I think I must have uh, mercifully exactly. missed some of that. Yeah. I... My, my sister had to wear sticky fingers. Ever hear of that brand? No, I was waiting for you to explain it because it just sounds awkward. It, it, well, it is very awkward, but they were just jeans. 
They were called sticky fingers. Well, it's like the, uh, well, never mind. Yeah, all right. A little comb pocket on the side. Of course, of course. Like, oh, yeah. Of course. And there was the same sister who wore ruse shoes. All right. Oh, Th- yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. We have to take one more because the thing is people just, I, I end a call and then somebody else calls in and people just keep calling. So I'm going to do one more and then we'll play the Dr. Drew interview. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Dude, that's Chuck Norris. Is, that's funny. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, I was I can't remember where I, I was at Muchos Gracias and I saw those little Elo kids with their little girl's pants and their big flounderish hair. And I was wondering, when are kids going to start wearing members-only jackets, L.A. Gears, and British Knights? First of all, can you turn your radio up? Oh, yeah, fantastic. How about I do that for you? It's as loud as it'll go. Sorry. Does that better? All right. Secondly, uh, yeah, I was talking to Joni DeRosha the other day. She she went to see the Decemberists, and I... No, he was joking about turning it up. I was kidding about turning it up, sir. Can you turn the radio down? I did turn it down. I can still hear it. How could... Man, okay, I guess my fantastic Motorola Sliver is a better phone than I thought of. I apologize. That's okay. All right, thank you. Uh, yeah, I was talking to my friend Joni, who went to see the Decemberists just recently, and she said that there was some, uh, I didn't, I don't know who it was, she described him as some, some horrible hipster band that she despised. Uh, not the Decemberists, but the opening act. But she said the opening band, like, like at least one of the guys, and I think two of them, were wearing members-only jackets over, like, Iron Maiden shirts. So that is making a well, comeback with a certain... You know, high tops are very much so back. Yeah. I've never British left Knights. as far as I'm concerned, but dude, I used to love my British Knights. Oh, I remember. They, they wouldn't let us wear British Knights at school, though, because they thought they were gang apparel. Because dude, they thought... I got all that when I was in fifth yep. grade. Like, the XIVs are going to kick your ass. Like, yeah, uh, okay. We're in Vancouver, Washington. You go ahead and let the XIVs try to do something. I remember, uh, I remember the, 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 first of all, that MC Hammer advertised British Knights, which should have been all the proof you needed that they were not gang-affiliated or street in any way. Yeah, but I, when I was in school, they were they were like, you can't wear British knights because the BK stands for blood killer. Because it, yeah, and you know it's just like one of those. Where even at like the age of thirteen, you knew that your teachers were complete nitwits. So yeah, and they're wearing red British knights, and technically, if it was going to be blood killer, you'd be in blue British knights. Well noted, <laughs> sir. All right, thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Okay. Is it Dr. Drew time? Yeah, who wants to hear the uh, who wants to hear the Dr. Drew? I interview? really very much do. Uh it is uh seven and a half minutes of excitement. Uh so uh, this uh, interview with Celebrity Rehab's Dr. Drew, uh, Celebrity Rehab airs tonight at 9 p.m. on VH1. Uh so this is I'm going to sound uh, both slow and uh, asleep because this was at like 8 o'clock this morning. You never sound as bad as you think you And I had, but I just I do have morning voice in this. It's morning. Um, I do. It's like when I interviewed Max Brooks that time. I do. I do have morning voice, and I don't think I had any coffee at all. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, uh, I give you me interviewing Celebrity Rehab's Dr. Drew. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Celebrity Rehab. And I never know how I can only do the second half of this because I heard Carola do it for so many years. The da 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 and addiction medicine specialist. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, what is uh, what is your I hate to do this, but I'm, I'm going yeah, to interrupt. The, I'm going to see how I have the morning voice for a something, and that's just me because I'm all slow and lulled. And people don't realize how much coffee we're actually on for no, this show. Quite a lot. Uh, so I've had none at this point. The frustrating thing is, I came and I swear to God, I won't interrupt my own interview again, except to say two things. One, I had no coffee actually. Now that I think about it, because it was that frustrating thing where I had. Come, I had filled a cup of coffee, come down to the studio, and just as I was, like, lifting the steaming mug of caffeinated life to my mouth, the phone rang, 
And I was like, oh, and of course, you know, you're on like a hardcore schedule with these guys. They're like, he will call at 8.40, you are, you know, or whatever, you know, like 8, eight whatever it was, 8, 8.01, you have nine minutes, no more, be, do not be late. And so, like, you can't screw around. So, um, just as I'm getting ready to drink the coffee, Drew calls, I'm like, oh, fine. So I'm doing the whole interview looking at the cup of coffee steaming next to me, but not able to, not able huh. to drink it. Okay, so at the end of the interview, I say something that makes him legitimately laugh. This does start off, though. With him giving me the whole, that's very funny. And clearly he doesn't find it funny at all. So, ladies and gentlemen, me interviewing Dr. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Celebrity Rehab. And I never know how, I can only do the second half of this, because I heard Carol do it for so many years. The uh, da-da-da-da-da and addiction medicine specialist. That's very funny. I, uh, what, is, uh, what is your formal title? And I ask that because you are like a real doctor as opposed to, say, everybody else. So this celebrity rehab thing, did they come to you and ask you to do this, or did you look around and decide that everybody else was kind of a piker? This was somebody else's idea, and and I really didn't think I wanted to do it for a long time, and I didn't think it was possible. But uh, eventually, I was sort of persuaded that it might work, and it could be an okay idea. It actually wasn't until Bob Forrest, who's one of the counselors you'll see on the program, came up to me one day, he walked in my office, and he said, you know, I am so sick and tired of how treatment is being portrayed in the media, uh, how people are speaking about celebrities as so, somehow being on a vacation or going to a spa, and in fact, we know the hard work they do because we treat celebrities all the time. He said, "You know, it's time we do a television show where we show what treatment really is." And I thought, "Boy, my goodness, Bob, if you're if you're <laughs> if you're serious about this, it, it just so happens people are talking to me about this. If you think we ought to do it, I'll, I'll move it along." And he he, said, he persuaded me. Yes, absolutely, it's time to go. And we did. I still up until two days before treatment, I still didn't believe. We've overcome many of the many serious legal, ethical, and medical issues we had to overcome. Well, that was going to be one of my questions. I remember watching uh, the, the first episode and seeing and wondering if they're inclined to be more or less honest because there's cameras on them. Or that was actually one of the most significant uh, challenges for me. You know, addicts lie and obfuscate all the time. Anyway, we had now another layer there of the camera distorting whether they were posturing for the camera, whether they were being more dramatic, whether they were holding back. I had to constantly be assessing that. And in reality, the cameras tend to have a net positive effect on addicts. It kind of keeps them in the game, keeps them accountable more. What is your read on whether Amy Winehouse comes to mind, whether they just do this in a weird, perverse way to stay in the spotlight when they don't have a new record out? No, no, they're just mentally. That's serious. These are life-threatening problems. And we catch it in the spotlight, but believe me, being in the spotlight, it doesn't make things better, but it doesn't cause anything at all. You know, we treat these, I treat these people all the time, and, and that stuff has no impact really on their pathology. So that actually was going to be, that sort of answers my next question, which is celebrities as a whole less or more screwed up than the general populace. Well, they're more, actually, you know, in spite of there being industries built up around trying to decide what's up with celebrities and how they can't find love and what's up with their relationships, the reality is uh, there's only one published paper on the nature of celebrity, a scientific paper in the history of medicine and the science. And I published it last year. Uh, my neighbor at the uh, USC School of uh, Business, we were sort of talking about this. We searched the literature, and we realized there's nothing out there. And because I have somebody on Loveline every night, a celebrity, I had access. And so we started issuing personality questionnaires and attachment inventories and substance abuse uh, monitors everyone that came on the show for until uh, we had 250 cases and we published it and we were able to show that yes indeed uh, this is something that any of us that works with celebrities can tell you for sure people that are a celebrity have much more psychopathology than the average person 
and uh, the duration at which they spent as celebrity has no impact on the degree of pathology. That is to say, they come to their celebrity status, they are driven to celebrity because of their problems, and the, the intensity of those problems are not made worse by the celebrity status. So then, let me follow that up with this. How sick are you of being asked about Britney Spears right now? I'm, I'm avoiding it. You know, I'm, I, somebody just sent me a note saying, there, everyone wants you, and I said, no. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I'm not going to be on TV today. All right. Fair, fair enough. The only reason I bring that up, and this is not a way to passively goad you into talking about it, is just because her, she was into it so well, early. I'm not with you, so I'm happy to talk about it right here. But, uh, she, yeah, she's very, very ill. I mean, she's on a 5150 which is the status reserved for the only the very sickest patients in a psychiatric hospital, so that gives you a sense of how ill she is. There is talk about putting her on a 14-day hold, which is what you do after the three-day hold is up, and those are almost impossible to come by in the state of California. They are reserved for only the most profoundly mentally ill. So if that tells you what you're dealing with here... Um, there you go. We're talking to Dr. Drew. He's from Celebrity Rehab, of course. The new episode airs at 9 p.m. Before we wrap this up, I just read this last night, actually, and you were quoted as saying that there is and that you have seen uh, some apparently really disturbing video of Heath Ledger taken, I guess, sometime in 2007, 2006? Uh, yes. And this is, a, a, I guess, the tabloid or the, the, whoever, the, the newspaper called it a, a Hollywood drug party, but I don't know how much of that is sort of hype. It was... Um... You know, where there's smoke, there's fire, when you find a young man drops dead with multiple medications at his bedside, uh, you know, that's pretty much only one thing. And it's very sad, and it's somebody whom we all feel very attached to and we're surprised at, but, you know, we want to know why. It goes at our deepest fears, and uh, I will tell you, it, it didn't just happen. It didn't just, you know, God didn't just take him away. There's reasons for this, and uh, they're the usual reasons. Uh, final question before we go. Among w people we might call celebrity doctors or celebrity whatevers, you almost alone do not come off as some sort of self-serving atavistic tool. And it, <laughs> I appreciate that. You can put that on your resume. Uh, so I guess my question is, is that, I don't want to say it's by design, but is, are you a baseline or is it, and is it just that everybody else is just so unbelievably sort of self-serving or do you, do you have to constantly make sure that you don't get sucked into that sort of I, I, my thing is, look, I'm just, my, my, I try to stay with the naive ideas I got involved with all this for. I'm just a doctor. I want to make things better. I'm trying to change things for good. The media has been a powerful force for not such good things. I'm of the belief that it must be equally a powerful force for good. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a relationship expert. I'm just a physician. And we as physicians do know something. And it's important that that be imprinted on media. All right, congratulations on the uh, the show success. Best to you in the future. The show is Celebrity Rehab tonight, 9 o'clock on VH1. Dr. Drew, thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. All right, there you go. So, uh, That's a good Dr. interview. Drew, how cool is he? So, yeah. You know, and the, it, it's a testament to how good he is that, how do I put this? That he's not uh, entertaining. He's not, you know, he's not trying to be like, wah, 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 look at me. You know, he doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles and whatever. Like, he really is. I mean, showbiz doctor or not, he really is uh, hes just, in other words, there's nothing flashy in that interview. He he's just, just he's genuinely concerned. Exactly. That's the thing. And I'm not saying he's not like a, you know, whatever. He obviously likes the spotlight a little bit, and he obviously, whatever, which is fine. But he doesn't come off as that, and he does seem uh, like a pretty legitimately straightforward guy. And it's a testament to his sort of charisma 
that he can really come on and say any, you know, say things that are really just sort of very straight ahead kind of doctor talk, and it actually it's pretty gripping. He's like a country doctor. He, well, he has that whole thing anyway. Well, I'm just a doctor, and I mean whether that's true or not, he certainly it seems true, which I guess is kind of what counts in in show business. So uh, anyway, it's pretty cool, and I made him laugh at the end, which is good. I'm kind of proud of that. He made yes. a little note of that. Next time he's in town, he's going to drop by. <laughs> Don't toy with me. Why well, I, I, I tend to arrive in this big stretch bus and say, mock me? please stop here. I have so little to hang on to in my life. I once made Dr. Drew chuckle slightly. No, that was good. Why must you diminish my accomplishments, Tim Riley? I'm just commending you. I enjoyed the interview. It sounded like he was commending you. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. But he, but he does that thing where... You know, he's, uh, well, first of all, like, you know, he says the thing about Heath Ledger, and who knows? I mean, whatever, he's the doctor and I'm not. And then, but did you hear what he, did you catch what he said about Britney Spears? Which is that they're get, they're probably going to put on that 14-day hold, which he said, what makes that believable when he says it, he does specify the state of California. He said that in the state of California, a 14-day a hold is almost impossible to get, except for, as he put it, the most profoundly mentally ill. So... It does maybe, I mean, you've got to figure with every tabloid story, with every news item, don't you always figure that as much sort of gossip and dirt floats to the surface, that is always still just the tip of the iceberg. You know, like, like look at how much we know about Michael Jackson, how much crazy crap we know about Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. But you know that there's like, a, like 80% of that that we've still never seen. You know what I mean? Like if he's that crazy publicly, you know he's got to be 10 times that crazy in private. So if Britney Spears is that crazy publicly, imagine what goes on inside her house. So, you know, so she must just be like one big ball of, of, of nut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ball of ball nut. Of nut. <laughs> ball of nut. I guess you must be. Hi, right, Tim, do you have news for us? Oh, I do. Let's take a break here. Come back after this. Tim Riley, uh, we'll talk a little lost. And if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get to your calls next. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Here's Wednesday 13. It's the Rick Emerson Show. No, that's true. That's true because there's no thinking about that. It just kind of happens. Not that we're one to point not clever. That's true. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Just a moment, we will uh, talk to our good friend Dennis Pitsenbarger. We'll tell us what's coming up in Miles Around this weekend. And then, wait, hold on, where's the... Right here, I have lost information. Yeah. Not so much information as a thing to read. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Breaking movie news out of Hollywood. Wait, hold on. Do I need the breaking news sounder? Yes, you do. Hold on. Paramount is in discussions with Matt Reeves to helm a sequel to his hit Cloverfield, as well as the Hitchcockian thriller The Invisible Woman. Rumors are that Cloverfield 2 will consist entirely of tripod-mounted static shots of scientists and generals discussing the origins of a monster I will totally watch room. that. I'll pay to watch that now. Of course. I'll watch it would. this instant. No, 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 because, you know, because I love backstory to... I, here's the thing that I love. I love movies where there is a... I was talking to Fatboy about this. I love movies where there is a serious discussion of a improbable or crazy thing. Do you know what I mean? Yes. In other words, where something that seems just so inconceivable and just impossible 
happens and then it is discussed rationally like how did this crazy thing happen i love backstory to the impossible and there's a small brief example of that one of the not a good movie but a good moment in a movie is in jurassic park 2 when they show cnn radio and there's bernard or cnn television and there's bernard shaw on cnn and bernard shaw's doing that thing you know playing himself where he goes Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're watching CNN. You're seeing some amazing live images now. And then they show the T-Rex on a boat being taken out to sea. And Bernard Shaw said, yes, that is a Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, apparently created in some sort of a genetic cloning program that uh, made it to mainland and had to be taken down by the military. And that was the greatest thing, because you never see that in movies. Whenever something crazy happens in a film, it happens either in the woods or on an island somewhere where nobody from the real world ever sees it or discusses it. So I love stuff like that in films, where something insane is discussed rationally. So I will absolutely watch that. I, they have to make it. They have to. Terror at 35,000 feet. The co-pilot of a packed Heathrow bomb plane had to be dragged kicking and screaming from his cockpit. After he suffered a mental breakdown in midair, oh, horrified oh. passengers aboard the flight from Canada saw the man being pinned down by fellow crew members as he yelled loudly and demanded to speak to God. Oh, the co-pilot was shackled by his ankles and handcuffed to a seat as the jet was forced to make an emergency landing at Ireland Shannon Airport. His voice was clear. He didn't sound drunk or anything. He was swearing and asking for God. Imagine being Then they tried to put his shoes on, and he swore and threatened people. Imagine being on an airplane when the pilot begins screaming that he needs to talk to God. One of the crew members announced to his fellow passengers, we have a medical emergency. Jesus. Mm. Especially considering the 15 people that probably had strokes just hearing that. Because mm -hmm. you're 30,000 feet in the air over the ocean and the pilot begins screaming he needs to see Jesus. Jesus Christ. I can't imagine anything more horrifying than that. That's the most terrified you would ever be in your entire life. Nothing. They could be dangling you over a volcano to sacrifice you to a spirit god the next year, and that wouldn't be that bad. So that's the best of 2008 so far. Jesus. All right. Then uh, Gina Boyd's day had already soured when her three-year-old daughter began vomiting in her Dodge. Then she got a traffic ticket. Boyd got a $123 ticket in uh, the county from the deputy after she made an improper U-turn to attend to her vomiting daughter. <laughs> The Vomiting Daughters is a great name for a band. She's a stay-at-home mom and is forced to do so because her husband is currently serving in Iraq. Well, okay. That's it for now. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest news fan of the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, thank top you. of the hour all the way through like us. No, thank you, Tim Riley. No, thank you. Uh, all right, Dennis Pitzenbarger, hello, sir. How are you? You watch Lost? Uh, no, I don't. All right. I, have, I, I just don't have my... Lost is unfortunately one of those... Those episodal type of shows that if you don't see the first one, no chance of knowing what's going on. Well, fair enough. Or else you can go to YouTube and type in Lost in 8 minutes and 15 seconds, and you can watch the summary of the first three seasons. Yeah, jerk. Is it's it pretty really? awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, there's a whole thing where they've condensed it down to two and a half minutes it's, or whatever. I watched it. It is pretty great. Uh, well, that, well, that I could do. That I could actually do. And then when you say, Dennis, do you watch, do you watch Lost? I could actually uh, you know, answer with a... That's okay. I haven't watched it this year either. Uh, what is coming up on Miles Around, sir? Well, um, we're actually in full swing uh, for 2008. There's a lot of parties going on as far as listener parties. We have some. You can just go to milesaround.com. Lucky enough to go with, uh, as we both know her, the web uh, goddess that we know as Joni yes. Um she, We've got podcasting up, all the video downloading you can do from the, both the radio and television shows. So we're lucky enough. If you want to know anything about what we're doing, just go to milesaround.com. But the one thing is, 
the Rod and Custom shows coming up, Roadster shows coming up. A lot of the, 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 the local shows are coming, so we're kind of excited about that. A lot of cool interviews coming up as well. Excellent. Um, you know, but that's it. I was hoping for maybe a car question or something. I'm sorry, and I apologize. We're, just, we're running behind today, and I got this lost thing I got to get to because I can't do it tomorrow. So I I drove halfway across town for my t- three thirty seconds. Now don't be that way, baby. You drove halfway across town. I thought you were in this building. I thought you worked here. I well, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. <gasps> no, I no. Oh I God! Work. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't. Hello? I just saw them I saw them putting new stickers for some sort of Disney channel. No, I'm kidding. I'm the Don't don't even I, joke about I'm that. Just kidding. Don't even joke. No, I'm sorry. I uh I feel like a jerk now. No, no. I uh I just I haven't been around for a while. I've, well, I've okay, let's busy. what is today? Wednesday, Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. Let let's make time to remind me next Thursday we will carve out more time. That's fine. All right. I thought you were just working upstairs today. No, no, no. I was out and about. I, I just wanted to come by. Feel style. like an ass. No, fine. it's okay. No, I love right. it. Hey, right. I've said it many times. Without Rick Emerson, there would be no miles around. There you go. Dennis Spitzenbarger, ladies and gentlemen. 9 to 11 on Saturday. All right. Sorry about that. There you go. Thank you for the class. You're welcome. You should watch the last thing. Really. I'll go watch that. You'll like day. it. <laughs> I only give one clap. Yeah, you gave a single clap. <laughs> is that okay on CBS Internet? Uh, yeah. I'm sure it is. Poor Dennis. Uh, that, was, that was so great, though, that you literally went. <laughs> <laughs> Next. And well, at least I was clapping for Tim, and then I forgot that we don't clap after every person. No, it's only Tim. Riley. Tim's the only one. Tim's the only one who receives applause. Why? Thank you. No, thank you, Tim Riley. <laughs> All right. All right. Here's we. Uh, here's we go. Here's we go, Sarah. <gasps> All right. Wait, I have the thunder. Okay. Let me ask you this, yes? and I think this is a guy thing, probably not a girl thing. Do you see people who are uh, the faces of web advertising campaigns over and over again? And you get how, there's no other way to put this. So I think there's this girl who models all of the shirts for Snorg Tees, which is a uh, you know it's like a like a wacky T-shirt company online. And I don't think I'm the only guy who finds her really hot. And Snorg Tees? Yeah, it's, you know, it's like some wacky t-shirt company. She's got kind of a weird face, but she's kind of hot in a sort of slutty way. Anyway, she's all over this uh, web article about Lost I printed up. And she models all of these uh, t-shirts. Her, if, like, if you could ignore her, like, she's got a weird mouth. If you could oh, I found her. She's cute. Yeah, she's got a strange mouth sometimes. It depends on what she's... She looks kind of elfish. Yeah, it depends on, the, on her expression. Her facial expression, she sometimes looks really cute. Sometimes she looks like she's got too many teeth. Um, but she models all of the T-shirts for this company. Her ad, the ads for this company are all over the net, like on nerd sites. And every nerd site you go to, here's this girl modeling T-shirts, and I have kind of a little crush on her. All right, let's move on. So I have this five. This is I hate to do these list articles because I sound like another radio guy reading a thing from a list of a deal. And uh, but it, we have this now, Sarah. The five questions the lost writers must answer, but probably won't. So we have now number five. Should I try guessing? Could you give me a topic and then I can try to guess? Uh, no, well, they're kind of vague. Okay. I mean, it's, well, I'll just say this. Number five, questions the lost guys have to answer but won't. What's the deal with Walt? Amid the ragtag band of survivors, somewhere between the quasi-superhero doctor and the background-dwelling Scott, is Walt. Several episodes on hinted at mental powers. Later, he returned in a vision to provide survivors of Flight 815 with important information. At one point, he seemed to be the key to the fate of the survivors. However, creepy. He kept showing up dripping wet. 
However, they say, unfortunately, the character Malcolm David Kelly has the annoying tendency to age on the program. The answer was to write him and his father out of the show. So the question is, like, what is the deal with him? Because they wrote him out because, of course, the kid who is playing Walt keeps aging. Yeah, he was in the very last, he, he was seen in the last episode, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to spell anything if you haven't, guys haven't seen it, but the last episode of season three, he's standing there as Locke's already been pushed into the grave of all of the people who were a part of the Dharma project before, and Locke's laying there about ready to kill himself, and then Walt is like, yeah, this huge man boy now, and he so, tells Locke that, yeah, nobody knows. So Walt's they say creepy. it's been speculated that Walt and Aaron, the recently born child of Claire, are both magical children. Uh, let's see, there's also a theory that Walt can astral project himself. As part of his magical superpowers. All right, question number four that the guys on Lost should answer but won't. What's the deal with those other first survivors that were kidnapped? And what are the others first want? Uh, I'm sorry. What is the deal with the first survivors who were kidnapped? And what do the others want with them? In the survivors' first days on the island, the evil natives infiltrated the group and formed a list of people to be kidnapped and dragged off into the wilderness. Later, the survivors got a glimpse of some of the hostages being walked through the jungle, catching the feet of some children dangling a battered teddy bear. Uh, it says, we really want to know what it was that earned those few a spot on the kidnap list. What have the others been doing to them? The producers seem less interested and haven't really told us anything about it. Sarah? Well, uh, first of all, them dragging the dirty teddy bears and stuff, they were all costumes to try and scare the people who were living on the beach. And I think I, at one point they referenced the fact that the people who they took with them were good people and the people they left behind were bad. Says, you may recall that when the show's hero Jack was being held in a cage by the others, one of the kidnapped showed up outside the bars and managed to speak to Jack without revealing a damn thing about where they've been kept. Says, this is mainly due to the show's usual technique of having characters in the middle of a profound mystery suddenly confront someone with all the answers and then not actually bother to ask them any questions. Totally true. All right. Uh, number three, question that the lost writer should answer but won't. What's the deal with Libby? Says, uh, and this is, what, is there something where uh, Libby and Libby Hurley died. get it on? Yeah, but Libby was shot All right. with uh, Anna Lucia, who was says, the two girls that got the DUIs when they were filming in Hawaii. So apparently it says Libby, the purported psychologist, was in fact... That's right, because she was in the same psychiatric ward with Hurley. in the Hurley. same mental hospital as Hurley and as a patient. And they never talk about it again. The Lost Writers had tied another knot in the tail that fans were eager to untie, then never addressed it again. <laughs> Will they tell us? Probably not. Okay, number two on the list of things that the writers of Lost ought to tell you but probably won't. What's the deal with the four-toed statue? Survivor and ex-Iraqi Saudi special... Uh, I'm sorry, Iraq... I can't read today. Survivor and ex-Iraqi Special Forces member Saeed leads a sailboat on a stupendously unsuccessful ambush mission against the others, and they come across the ankle-length remnants of an enormous statue. Saeed pondered if it was more disturbing than the rest, uh, that the rest of the statue was missing or that the remaining foot was four-toed. That's, that's one of those like, chill, first chills you yeah. get when you're watching it, because so it's, it's a huge foot. It's a huge statue of an ankle and a foot, and, and the foot has four toes. And that's one of the things that people are saying is tying it into the same parallel universe as Cloverfield. Is it as the Cloverfield monster because they think that they might be living in the same space-time continuum? The article then notes that it's never been mentioned again. Executive producers did see fit to acknowledge that it was a remnant of the island's prior inhabitants, though we find it hard to give them credit for saying that since nobody would have thought it was future inhabitants. Of course, they're prior inhabitants. So anyway. Well, you don't know what kind of place they're. Maybe it is the future. I'm Maybe it's the time work. Reading the article. Okay. All right. So yeah, four-toed foot statue seen, never mentioned again. And the biggest issue that the writers have lost should address, but probably will never actually fully uh, explain, Sarah, you know this one. What happened when they pushed the button? Well, what's the deal with the numbers? 
If there's any certainty in the world of Lost, it's that when there's a number ready to make an appearance, you can be damn sure it's going to be one of those six numbers. Uh, blah, 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 blah. The first pieces of the, of the numbers puzzle will set in place for, uh, for those fans with enough free time to engulf themselves in the online experience. They were revealed to be the core values of the Valenzetti equation, which predicted the end of humanity. While this revelation did provide the proper amount of additional confusion, it did very little to explain why the numbers turn up in all of these unrelated places and their tendency to cause doom and destruction. Some fans say the numbers don't actually mean anything, but were simply the means by which the island brought everybody to the island. They were Hurley's lotto, lotto numbers, the transmission of the numbers that brought Danielle's boat there, and so on. However, this guy makes a really valid point. He says, he says we're going to say right now that if there's an explanation, it's uh, exactly as mystical and nonsensical as can be. He says they have now taken it too far for there to be any kind of single answer that ties the numbers all together. There is no explanation that could possibly answer all the questions. Fair point. That is a so very fair point. All right. So keep in mind. I'm not saying it's not a confusing show, but it is very, very interesting. No, no, no. And I'm not reading these things. To, uh, these are not, uh, this, first of all, not my article. I didn't write it. Uh, secondly, not as a criticism. Simply oh, I know. To know, that I know is, that this, is, this is sort of the stuff that people obsess about, it though. It is very frustrating. You're right? Especially the four-toed statue. I would put that at number one because, really, they make such a like, I don't know what's more disconcerting, that it has four toes or what happened to the rest of the But statue. that is really creepy. It is really creepy when you see it because they're looking at it through binoculars, so you can just tell it's huge. See, this makes me want to wait until the entire series has finished its run and then just watch it all the way through. So I, have, I don't have that stupid, like, tune in six months from now for another, you know... I have the whole series. Uh, but I gotta, wait, I gotta wait until it's done. I can't wait until it's... Because then, it's, you know, I'm gonna be waiting for another season and I'm gonna be, you know... That's I true, because you know there'll be like another year between... Totally. They'll do exactly what the Sopranos did. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hello. Julie, how are Hi. you? What's up, sister? Oh, hey, um, I was thinking about parachute pants. Of course you were. Of course. Well, the, you know, the bad 80s. and. Now, that everything. was that. Sarah probably doesn't even really remember those. You probably don't remember parachute pants. I do. My sister had some. Really? Uh-huh. She's younger than you, though. It's sort of like, you know, during the Van Halen 1983 concert era. Well, she had, like, the hammer pants. Oh, ha no, no, no. Hammer pants and parachute pants are not the same. Oh, okay. Do you know what parachute pants are, Sarah? It's they actually, I mean, really, you should be proud if you don't. <laughs> I don't. I okay, hammer pants. Hammer pants. Oh no no no. Because hammer pants, the crotch is like at the knees. Yeah, right? it's like the but like you're a genie. But they're not sagging. No no no. It's like, but these have all the zippers and everything. It's all like over a, it's like it. you're a genie with a load in your pants. <laughs> no no no. Parachute pants, Sarah, were horrible. They were. Uh, imagine like if you made a a pair of pants out of a members only jacket, made them skin tight, so like shiny plastic skin tight pants. Exactly. And then the pants, for no readily apparent reason, the pants have zippers all up and down them. Oh, yeah, to like hide all your from, contraband from waist going to, to ankle, they're, they're tight, shiny plastic pants. And from waist to ankle, there's like 60 different zippers on the pants. <laughs> so you know, like, like goth pants now? Not except really, for... except those are, those are big and sort of baggy and denim-y. These are like made out of, they, well, they're called parachute pants because they shiny look like the stuff that a, that a parachute is made out of. They're like shiny, tight plastic pants oh. with zippers all over them. And they were huge in the 80s. So they weren't big and billowy? They were no. like tight and zippery? tight, plastic, shiny pants. Covered with zippers. Horrible. Interesting. You should Google parachute pants. I think I'm going to yeah, right now. Awful. It's terrible, these pants. Thank you, Julie. Back after this to wrap it up. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere.
the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. All right, now like nine different people have sent me the Snorg T-shirt girls MySpace page. Well, it's not creepy oh, really? if they sent it to me and I just click on the link. I didn't seek it out. They just sent it to me. No, that's not creepy at all. We have a email uh, to you about Lost that we'll get to in just a second. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Final call of the day. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, really quick comment on the old fashions and stuff. I'm pretty sure Sarah won't even understand underoos. Oh, yeah, no, underoos. Uh, underoos, you know what I'm surprised hasn't made a comeback? Marketing underoos to sort of adult girls. You know oh, what I mean? Good. Yeah. That somebody should totally do that, where they market underoos to like twenty-five-year-old girls, uh, and you know what? Uh, that's the sort of thing you can totally underoos? see. Well, I've heard them reference, but underoos were—they uh, were essentially—they were like underwear meets Halloween costume. So, like, if you would buy them for, they were like for little boys basically, and it was like pajamas you would sleep in. But it was like underpants and a shirt to sleep in. But it was like Superman themed. Like, like so the shirt would look like Superman, and then the, like the underpants or whatever would look like Superman's whatever, like yeah. his tights or I something. Had, I had Spider Man. Yeah, it was like costume pajamas, basically. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you, Take care. Thank you, my friend. I regret nothing. Uh, Rick, I like Sarah. I'm also a huge Lost fan, says this woman. I would really like to hear Sarah's predictions on who makes it off, why the new people are there, and does she think Charlie is really dead? Thank you. Oh, God, I don't, I'm not sure. That's a lot of pressure to put on me when there's only 30 seconds left of the show. Do you think Charlie's really dead? Um, I don't know. They saw, they showed him floating there, but it seems like a lot of the dead people who were supposedly dead, for example, uh, Jack's, uh, you know, father who he was flying back in the play with, all of a sudden he sees him alive on the island. I think that anything's possible. All right. Because we don't even really know what the island is at this point, so I don't really think anyone's necessarily dead. Excellent. There we go, Julie. All right. Um, are we done? Like 15 seconds. I could play the last game again. Okay, do that. All right, hang on. Excellent, and we're done. All right, uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents James Roop and James Roop. Uh, also, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer, uh, and Dennis Pitsenmarker from Miles Around. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon, right here on 70 Solid State Radio, proud part of the CBS Radio family. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richie Bristol. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Uh, imagers upstairs is Bridget. And CBS Radio Portland marketing guru is Susan Reynolds. I'm Rick Emerson, and thank you for listening. Uh, Tom, like us next. Uh, like us one-on-one at 5 o'clock. Don and Mike at 7. We'll see you all tomorrow at 11. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to now. Watch out for snakes and four-toed statue feet. And bye now. That's why we was like, stop, stop, you're spraying the babies.